You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, it's the one, the only, it's Mr. Kevin Derso. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, you're lying. You're not that good. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I actually just had a, a, a had a pretty good Sunday morning, all things considered, talking hockey around the league on open ice hits and stuff like that. It'll be out tomorrow. Uh, see, but the thing is... <sighs> Unlike unlike on open ice hits with Hunter Brody that you can find on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's, it's you, on all the podcasting platforms. I'm on well, 97.3, there you go. yes. Yeah, Hunter's, uh, Hunter's on 97.3, there you go. Uh, no, Hunter's not on 97.3 anymore either. He Is left. he not? Yeah, oh. he left. So, well, there you go. No, so he's a he's Broad's Media. That's what it is. It's under gotcha. the Broads Media umbrella. But well, either way, you can find that under the Broads Media umbrella and on all your uh, your podcasting platforms. Uh, but unlike on that show, we do have to kind of talk mostly about the Flyers. And in fair- this week, in fairness, in fairness, on that show, I didn't get a break per se because <laughs> we talked about them on the Sunday show last week or the Monday show. I'm sorry because we record on Sunday, it drops Monday. So last Monday's episode had Flyers talk on it, and then just when you thought we were going to leave that in the dust for a little while, because we really do try to hit everything, right? We sure. try to touch on everything. Like I'll t- and I, let's say, I'll tease it for t- for mon- for this Monday show. We were talking about goal scoring, so we talked about McDavid's rate of scoring, Ma- Matthews' rate of scoring, Did and you then talk got- about Mika Zibanejad's rate of scoring. No, we ended up th- no because then we actually turned. <laughs> the reason I wanted to talk about that was because Alex Ovechkin moved into sixth all time this week. Okay, and we turned it into that conversation but it started with who's going to win the scoring race Matthews or McDavid or somebody else possibly like right. but who's going to win because those two are tied at the top like who is going to be all that and we were supposed to get to that on I think he actually I I think he technically passed Phil Esposito on Wednesday of that week so I okay. made the suggestion when we were cuz we were going to record Thursday morning really early that we should talk about Ovechkin. That's a big story. He just moved into sixth all time, continues right. to climb that chart. That's huge, right? And then the Flyers lost a game nine nothing, and we had to talk about that instead. Right. Well, that's the thing is, uh, you you did have to unfortunately talk about the Flyers over there this so, morning because yeah, no, so we two, had an so embarrassing two, situation. Uh, so two ep- two episodes in a row. Finally, we didn't talk about the Flyers on this upcoming episode, but the two episodes earlier this week, yeah, we ended up actually going into Flyers talk, which. You know, it's this is supposed to be my relief. This that, that show. It's supposed to be a way to get away from it to talk about good teams around the league. Not well, this, that. Well, this show isn't, so we got to get into it. Uh huh. We'll let's, let's just hit right off the top the big headline for the week. This one. It's nine nothing. Yeah, it's maybe something I said to you uh, right before we started recording. Mm-hmm. We might have seen the worst period in Philadelphia Flyers history. Actually, literally, uh, allowing seven goals in a period, which was a franchise record. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, there's a very solid case to be made that we saw the worst 20 minutes of hockey in Philadelphia Flyers history in the 50, what is it, 54, 56 years, something at this point. About 55 uh, years. Yeah, 54, and that is years. that is a perfect, perfect metaphor for this team. That you almost don't think it can get lower than the lowest point before, right? You keep so, thinking it can't get worse. So you go into a month in, into a month where you're doing pretty well to that point, all things considered. I mean, you're not playing over the top great, 
but you got a winning record. You're doing all right, you're, right? You you're know, you're solidly going to, in the playoffs. You go, into, you've, you go into March with some hope because you feel yeah. like it's, it just continues to get better. And not only that, but you kind of closed out February with not your full roster. Right. And you were you're, working you're, your way you're back towards being healthy. still working your way healthy. back from COVID. And it feels like it, if, like it really did start at the beginning of the month. But like the irony is, is that think about what went into that game, that first game of March. Sidney Crosby's not able to play that game because he goes on the COVID list. And, and right. right away you think, after winning two games in a row against Buffalo, you just took their best player out of the picture for that game. Totally out of the blue, totally without any fault of his own, quite possibly. Right. Right? You know, like, it's not like he's hurt. He's on a list that you don't know the reason why. And we're seeing more and more of this that it's not always a long-term sentence when you go on that list. I mean, there was right. one that happened later, like, earlier this week. Why? Even two days after Sidney Crosby, Joel Farabee did the same one-game dance on the right, list. Right, but I, well, there yeah. was one this week for Vegas. William Carlson was on the list on Friday afternoon at about 6 o'clock. And by 9 o'clock when they played their game, he was off the list because it was a false positive. Interesting. That's how quickly they're trying to get through this to make sure their guys play. Right. You know? Yeah, and and we've um, seen a couple of false positives this year. Right. Steven Stamkos, so, a notable case throughout the league. So beside the point... Because right. this is not about the COVID list. They lose that game 5-2. to two, And you kind of go, well, you know, maybe that was just a game where they were due for one. Aside from, basically aside from Lake Tahoe, since they came back from their little pause due to COVID. They'd been pretty solid. They had, they played a competitive game against the Rangers that they lost in a shootout with a minor league roster, basically. And even Lake Tahoe, you're playing the Bruins with essentially right, but, a, but, that same minor league roster. But it was pushed aside, roster. and as guys came back, you beat the Rangers, you beat Buffalo twice. It's like, okay... You're you're three and three one and once in the five games since returning from COVID. You may be hitting a point where you're like, okay, it's getting to the right spot. You know what I mean? Like it's getting right. into the right area. To, things are starting to hit their stride, and, and don't and get me guys wrong. Are starting to get healthy and work together, and yeah. And don't get me wrong. It wasn't like it was. That didn't mean Pittsburgh wasn't going to be a test, but it was. Now you're kind of getting the guys back. This is the time to now approach the test. You know, here comes the start of this month, and. I said it multiple times, and I, I was encouraged because I heard the players say the same thing. It's a three-game playoff series in the middle of the week, or right. in the middle of the season. Win yeah. two games. And they lost the first one. That was winnable. It was within their grasp. It's certainly winnable, yeah. They came out, and they gave up three goals in the first four minutes of the next game, and then rallied back and found a way to win the game. Crazy. And at that point in time, the answer is they don't ask how, they ask how many, and you scored one more than the other side. So you won the game, good for you. And that should have been like, you got the two honestly, points. Right. and not only that, but when in context, to that point, two regulation losses and a shootout loss coming out of the COVID break. So you get another win. You haven't let this snowball yet. As a matter of fact, if nothing else, falling behind 3 nothing, calling a timeout and winning a game 4-3. Kind of a character builder. Shows a little you, resilience. You, you right. thought, you thought, oh, wow, okay, not only is this team trying to get through some of these issues, and they just came back, they still are two weeks removed from coming back from COVID. I believe some, They're showing some character here. I believe some media outlets referred to it as a potential turnaround in the season type event. The one that's, well, it's because it's the, that's the type of win that gets you moving in that direction, right? Like, right. It's, a, it's emotional. You you had to you had to claw back because you only scored one in the first, only scored one in the second. It came down to the third period, and not only did you get the game tied and it was dramatic, but then you scored the game winner with two minutes left or whatever it was, and found a way to win that game. That's excellent. 
two games two games into the month, that's outstanding. You don't look at it as a problem yet. Right. Then you go out, and again, the game on that Saturday was a winnable game, and you led it for deep, different parts of it. You scored first. You gave up, you know, you led the game 3-2 to two in the second period. You had a chance to make that a game that you could have won, and you didn't have the legs in the third period. And it wasn't exactly a shock when you played Washington the next night. Good start in front of fans, but then it fizzled out again. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. You needed a good game, and we've talked about these games already on the show, so I'm not going to, I'm going to gloss over them more than, more than not, but. Right. Then we, we had a decent, long, decently long conversation about the Buffalo game from a week ago because that was the one that kind of told you things are problematic. Yeah, there's there's holes beneath the surface of the ship. Let's right? let's uh, let let me do let me kind of give some uh, some perspective on how Buffalo is this season <laughs> because I just it, it's something that was just mentioned that I mentioned on open ice hits because I told Broads this before we started recording then we had to include it because I knew I wanted to double check to make sure I was right about it before we included it the Buffalo Sabres have 59 total goals this season oh my god okay and I know that that's not a lot that's like two per game maybe right, right. it's like four Joel Farabies okay no they have 59 <laughs> goals this season right Connor McDavid has 60 points, which means that's he's factored into 60 insane. goals by himself. Yeah, that's um, that's more good. than an entire team has scored. Connor McDavid has been on the score sheet. So I guess there was never really a question of if it was Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel in that draft, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about it like that, but touche. I know you didn't, but oof. Well, because you know what? I, when we did the show, when we did Open Ice Hits the last time, and we mentioned one of the topics we had from one of the previous episodes was, oh, one of the big stories out of the NHL is we got to talk about Ralph Kruger. Yeah. It, like, it yeah. finally happened. And I actually, I made a joke on the show that then that, Ralph Kruger's firing is like one of those pools you do when someone's having a baby and you go, what's the date it's going to happen? Because you yeah. knew it was coming. It just was a matter of when. Yeah, you know? it turns out a 12-game losing streak will do that <laughs> to you. Uh, also, I, Jack Eichel uh, is out for the rest of the year. Soon. And, it seems uh, like it, yeah. I don't know if it, that's official. It, but It certainly seems as though he could play if he needed to. If, if there was a reason to play, and it certainly seems like if there was a reason to play, right? And here's <laughs> and here's the thing. Listen, he is a young professional athlete who needs to maintain his body, and playing for the Buffalo Sabers with fewer points than Connor McDavid <laughs> is not a good way to maintain your career long term. No, so if not. he no, needs to take this time off and go have his surgeries and do his rehab and get his body back to one hundred percent. Hopefully, he gets traded in the offseason and can actually play for a decent team. Okay, it's interesting you said traded in the offseason because I know that it's a common topic like in season. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, I, I did it think about happen. But I did think in the weeks leading up to because it was a conversation piece and a topic. Wouldn't it be ironic if it did happen in season and literally the two drafts that get talked about the most, the David Eichel draft, the Matthews Line A draft, that the number two picks from both of those drafts would go to some other season. place? Yeah. You know what I mean? Both teams get traded to a place nobody wants to play. Right. Like, it, could you imagine if that's the case that yeah. both of those guys get moved? McDavid's still trying his best to make something happen in Edmonton. Matthews is on a team that's ranked right near the. I mean, and Edmonton is too, but Edmonton's kind of stigma has been you've got the best player in the world right now and you don't win playoff man, series. Man, Connor, Connor's trying to do everything he can. So in is, Edmonton. And so is Leon. Yeah, they are. And they are. I mean, you don't. But if, have you're the Ken, if you're Ken Holland, you have to be nervous. 
you don't have the top two point producers in the league by not even a close margin. By the way, it's it's sixty. It's ridiculous. It's sixty and fifty for McDavid and Drysaitel, and then forty-two in third place for Patrick Kane. That's you know how an, far back third place is. You know, in NHL twenty-one, when you start a franchise mode or you start a career mode and you turn it on rookie while your players getting evaluated, so you get a really <laughs> good evaluation and go high in the draft. Yes, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaitel did that, and it got stuck there. And Con- they just never got to change the setting back. And they're yes, just Con- they're just playing on easy mode. It really is ridiculous. Um, Connor McDavid is a living cheat code. Yeah. Let's be real. I mean. But if you're Ken Holland, you got to be nervous. Because if he knocks on your office door and says, hey, Ken, the time's run out. We still suck. Uh, oh, man. You don't want to have to make that trade. They don't necessarily look like they suck this year, though. So, like, they're, they're there. Uh, they just have to get a save. The the okay. The North Division though, and I don't want to make like we're gonna talk obviously we gotta get to the flyer stuff, but it's more fun to talk Listen, about Connor the, McDavid. The flyers are depressing, so we have right, to push it off. It's more fun to talk about Connor as much as we can. I know. Um here's the thing. The two teams at the top of the North Division, maybe two of the teams with the most questions when it comes playoff time. Like you've got one that needs to win a playoff series desperately. And yep. well both do, but one that needs to because at least Edmonton got to a certain point, and in it was like they were, right, right. and they were close, like not close, but yep. you're like they could have been there, and you're going. They needed to follow that up, and since then it's been coach replacements, GM they were, changes. They were a game away from the conference finals, weren't they? Didn't they go to game six there? Um, that's a good question. I think they went pretty deep in that in that second round series. Like that was a good fun series. I remember watching it. They, uh, was, well, because it ended up being the conference final that year was Nashville against the Ducks. Okay, and they, and they played Edmonton played the Ducks, right? Yeah, I'm yeah, just trying to remember how was, many. It definitely went six. I can because that, that was kind of the last uh, hurrah for no. Getzlaff Perry in in Anaheim. Oh, okay, ready for this? Because I pulled it up. Okay, Edmonton led that series two nothing. <sighs> lost three games in a row. Oh. One in one, one in overtime, one in double overtime. That's how close it is. Wow. Came back and won Game Six, not even close, seven to one, and then lost Game Seven, two to one. Wow! Yeah, that was a really good series. I remember watching it. But they're a goal away from the conference finals, there, right? It's very you know. much. I mean, and I don't want to say because what is? I don't want to say it's the, the the Ottawa thing, but like because you know Ottawa was a a goal. And then the same year, I think, right? Wasn't that the same year uh, that Ottawa was in the conference final against Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh yeah, won? Yeah, so because if they won, Nashville. they would have played Nashville. Yeah, right. So they're one goal away from going to the Stanley Nashville Cup final. Nashville got robbed. Well, I'm, I'm back on Ottawa though. Ottawa's one goal away from going to a Stanley Cup final, and within a year and a half, we're the laughing stock of the league. Uh, right. Within a year and a half, they're trading Eric Carlson and getting and belittled and for the return. All, right. Right. Like yes. It's... And everybody was gone. I mean, it was, it was, it was Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, Mike Hoffman's gone. So, you know, you mentioned Matt Duchesne there. And I wanted to note Matt Duchesne is the weirdest player because every team that acquires him instantly gets worse. <laughs> well, what you does that, that tell you? I, yeah. It, it, it tells you that he's the one talking in the Ubers. Do you remember? Do you do you remember when? Do you remember when people on the fly, like people want the, wanted the Flyers to get him? Like, oh, you need a player like yeah. that. No, and at the same time, it was we had that guy. We traded well, no, Jeff no, Carter well, in twenty eleven. Well, no, that's not what I was getting at. Like, 
it was well known where he wanted to play. I right, mean, it he was wanted so Nashville. Well That's known. literally it. It and was like Jacob Trubo with Winnipeg and the New York Rangers. And last we talked year. about this, and we talked about this on last week's show because of the fact that we mentioned trade rumors with them. That window slammed shut. That didn't just close right. down and get a little smaller and a little smaller every single year. No, that thing slammed shut. He came out and said, "I would like to be in Nashville, please. I would like to not play anywhere but Nashville, please." And everyone else went. Can you blame okay, him? then. Uh, can you blame him? Look at what. Look at how much he's making. Oh, and I mean, it's listen, hard to man, blame when a guy makes that much money. And the man loves country music. Good for him. That's it. That's yeah. that's the reason. By the way, he loves yeah. country music. That's why he wants to live sure, in Nashville. That's great. Whatever. And God bless him. Good for him. I, no, I mean, like, I, look, I like. He's it too, a millionaire it mean, hockey player. Okay, like, and listen, I like country music too. Doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that if I was a player, that my choice is I'm going to a team that's not on that level. I want to go where, like, right now, to pick the places where you'd want. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say, let's let's do this little thought experiment right now. If you're uh, a A college, if you're a free agent, if you're a Temi Panarin coming over from the KHL, okay, and every team in the league is vying for your services on an ELC, where is Kevin Durso Inc. in his name, and why is it Tampa Bay? (laughs) <laughs> you already called it I mean it, it's not always No like there's options um, But if I'm listing the options It's it's Tampa Bay It's And let's say you're literally Artemi Panarin by the way uh, Position and skill level right Like you're gonna slot yeah. into the top six wing somewhere Pretty much anywhere There are Maybe if you're in Tampa you get pushed to the third line There are There are Four or five teams that I would make a list of that I would say. Ooh, ooh, let me let me see what we got here. So right, you I'm, already we, know Tam- you know already Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. So go ahead. So uh, if if we're talking literally about our Tammy Panarin, obviously Colorado because you'd like to play with Nathan McKinnon. Colorado is one of my choices. I, um, is Boston there? No. Really? Okay. That's nope. interesting. Okay. Uh, okay. Just hit me with the rest of the list here. Let's... Uh, Vegas. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, honestly, Toronto. Okay. Because Toronto, uh, I, as much as the stigma is they don't win playoff series, it is a talented team, and you are, and you know you're getting uh, you're getting a shot every year. You do also have to consider that media market. I didn't. Say, I said they're one of five here. It's a tough you know, market. Or one of four yeah. or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Tampa, Vegas, Toronto, Colorado, and actually, Carolina. Okay. Because. I would like honestly. I can I'd love tell you, having lived in Carolina, about forty minutes from PNC Arena, uh-huh. I could ask. I could walk into a random Piggly Wiggly and ask ten people uh, what the are, what the what the Carolina Hurricanes are, and they won't know that it's an NHL team. That's fine. Probably it's, eight out of ten. So if you're looking for superstardom, if you're looking for any level of notoriety or media presence, do not go to Carolina. Sorry. No, but I'd like my my reasoning for that one, I'd love to play for their head coach, and they are a sneaky talented team. I'd be scared to play for their head coach. Rod's a little intimidating. But that's that should be what you want, you know. <laughs> no, in the best way. But. Like if I look at every single one of the other stories, and I'm not now. Look, I'm not gonna say, like. I don't love the coaching. Like I don't love Vegas as head coach. I, like I'm not the biggest Pete DeBoer fan. Uh, but like yeah. you know, like I liked Gerard Gallant better than I like Pete DeBoer. But they're winning and they're a successful team and they've got a shot every year right now. Yeah. Pete DeBoer always any- looks like he just got fired from an office job. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Um, but like every like. And and you're probably right. Like, if I had to rank them, Tampa's num- probably number one, and Colorado's number two. Okay. Because even though Col- Colorado doesn't have the 
sexiest coach out there in terms of like you know Jared Bednar is not the first coach you think of in the league, right. but they have everything else. That team is loaded. They're so good, and they're and the only reason that they are ranked ninth in the league in points right now is because Kale McCarr didn't play for a while. They missed out with they had what? Who else was out? Because I think Landis Cog missed some time, and McKinnon missed a little bit of time because McKinnon took a hit to the head, so he missed a couple games. Like they had their moments, and now they're like rolling. Uh, back in this Artemi Panarin analogy, do you uh, do you call Ken Holland and ask if you can play with Connor McDavid? Thought about it, but even though you have to live in Edmonton, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like the media thing would be just as like it's again, it's Canada, so yeah, it's not the same as Toronto, but you, but But how many years can you suck it up and get 130 points playing with Connor McDavid to go sign a big fat contract somewhere else? But that's part of the media thing because then it's if you become that productive with McDavid like the media presence is big in Edmonton not because of the team in general it's not like Toronto but right the best player in the world plays there and as much as you'd love to play with the best player in the world you're also looking at a team that hasn't been passed the second round since he got there it doesn't even feel like uh, McDavid okay. has been it no, it, and tell, tell, honestly I'll see if you agree with me on this yeah, yeah does it feel like McDavid's been in the league for six years no, because the NHL doesn't market him nearly as well, and I think it's well, really my a answer shame. was no. T- my answer was no too, but for different reasons. It's really a shame for the NHL that their two best players over the last twenty years have both been pretty introverted guys. If uh, someone with PK Subban's personality <laughs> had Sidney Crosby's talent, the NHL would have a superstar. So Yarmir Yager, right? <laughs> But in, you know, in 2020 or 2021 or even 2006, right? Talking about Crosby, right? Uh, well, Subban. But the NHL also just does a poor job. So the fact that Crosby's not pushing for endorsements and okay. McDavid's not pushing for endorsements, yeah. the right. NHL also isn't pushing them. Here's the, then here's the worst part, and we talked brief. I think we talked briefly about the ESPN deal. Yeah, we did. We okay. did mention that. Then here's the good thing about the ESPN deal because there's actually, a lot of good things no, about well, the ESPN well, there is, deal. But yeah. Actually, the NHL does have that guy with the talent and the personality. We just never get to see it enough because it's not marketed enough. You know who that guy is? Are Alex, you going Ove- back to, are Alex you, Ovechkin. Oh, I thought you were going back to Carolina and you were going to talk about Sebastian Ajo. No, because I it's, hear it's, he's quite. No, it's it's Ovechkin. Ovechkin's got that personality that yeah, he's weird would, would love. And yet it's never showcased. Like, do you know, like, and, and the reason I said the e, that brought the ESPN deal in this is because many years ago, he might have been a rookie, honestly, because he was just drafted. It wasn't, you know, the NHL wasn't completely off of ESPN yet, but like it was like getting that direction. It its, yeah. They had I think a, ESPN had lost the contract, but they hadn't stopped showing stuff on sports. Not Center in the yet. first, yeah, not in the first like right. year, right? They hadn't phased it out yet. But they did, they did a This Is Sports Center commercial. With Ovechkin in it as a Russian yep. spy in the office. It's so good. I know exactly the one you're talking about. But for a moment, you kind of got this, like, it, that's the glimpse. That's the 30 seconds of, look at what this guy, like, look at who this guy is away from the game. He can be funny. He can do something kind of fun and entertaining. Hot take. If they bring back the This Is Sports Center commercials, NHL players are going to get a lot more popular. Because you need that, you need to put Connor McDavid in this is Sports Center commercial. You need to put Crosby in one. You, you need, need to put, put no. I'm talking. You need to put Braden Point 
in a This Is Sports Center commercial. You need to put Andre oh, yeah, Sechnikov yeah. in a This Is Sports Center commercial. You need to put Adam Fox in a you, This Is Sports Center commercial. Do you know, do you know like, who you do you know who you need to put into one of these commercials? Honest to goodness, because even for as much as we can mention him as the first name we think of with this team, he's still not enough of a league superstar in my eyes. Nathan McKinnon needs to be in a This Is Sports yeah. Center commercial because yep. not enough people right. not enough people look around the league and go, I still know who that guy is. There's right. still not enough people. He does not have the face recognizability that he should. Right. Because everybody, it, everybody knows Crosby. Everybody knows Ovechkin. Everybody knows McDavid. And, and maybe everybody knows Austin Matthews at this point. But that's right. about it. I think we're all kind of under a consensus that Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. And then the second best player is either Sidney Crosby or Nathan McKinnon, depending on the conversation. I still say Crosby. but I, I understand. And I'm not Actually, even necessarily saying McKinnon, but there are people who will argue that he is a superior player right now, and I don't think they're well, necessarily incorrect. My 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 argument all the time when it came to I would always say Crosby's the best player in the world currently, and I always like I always would do that. You can just default to the rings. Well, that's exactly why, because yeah. it, when it comes down to it, what does he have that nobody else has? And and I don't He's won the damn thing. And I don't qualify Ovechkin in that in that category because Ovechkin does one thing really really well and doesn't have to be the most responsible guy at the other end of the ice crosby does you know? was mckinnon on that 2010 uh olympic team no it might have been too early for him i believe okay. it, like so he doesn't even he have a gold medal like, i can go check for on on that for so you really sid's got quick. three cups and a gold medal and nate doesn't have any okay Mc, that yeah. if i'm not mistaken wasn't nathan mckinnon on that under 24 team at the world cup uh, team ago. North America, the ghost team. Yeah. Yes. Like, and my, my point in saying that is that because of that, like, the... wait, wait, okay, hold on a minute. You thought he was on the gold medal team in 2010? No, I was asking. I didn't think he was. No, but I was... You're, you're asking if he was? Because right. that would be damn near impossible because he would have been 15 what, years old. Yeah, he would have been 15. He okay. was born in 1995. Well, so, listen, I wasn't sure. He's one of those players. I, I, I'm sitting there because he, he's the first overall pick in 2013, and that was what I was thinking. I'm going, he wasn't right. even drafted until 13, I don't think so. There's no way he could have been on the gold medal team. That was still Crosby's early years. Like, Crosby wasn't even, I don't want to say he wasn't even a household name, but you know what I mean. Like, well, he certainly became a household name in he, Canada no, after but, that. Well, yeah, uh, sure, of course. he was. He, by that point, he was a Canadian hero if he wasn't already. Yeah, I, I don't think he was before that. I think that was it. But well, because that's that's the that's the all time marker, right? I mean, at the end, he can win Stanley Cup unless he's winning the Stanley Cup for the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Montreal Canadiens or something right. like that. Then yes, winning a gold medal for Canada makes you Canada's golden right. he, boy. He no might be, he might have been Nova Scotia's golden boy before that. But that's and, when he became and, Canada's And then the McKinnon came into the league and they got two golden boys. Potentially. Cole Harbor, same spot. Yeah, in Nova the Scotia same too. town. Well, and that was that was one of the reasons why I believe that McKinnon should be known more like widely. He's from because the same, there's that connection, right? Well, not only that, but they're from the same hometown for crying out loud. Like the, well, the two, the two of them could walk into their hometown and have the entire town going, "Oh my God, look who it is!" You know, and, and if it was and, the and NFL, it's not out of the and it's not out of the ordinary. You know what I mean? And if it was the NFL, every single Colorado Pittsburgh matchup would include that narrative, and everyone on Earth would know that they are from the same town. Well, here and here's the thing. And the NHL doesn't you, do that. And you no, but you know when, and we've talked about this before with the ESPN thing. You know that when that time comes around, it's going to go back to the. It's an individual and the team. 
So it's right. going to be when they get that matchup on TV. And believe me, I'm sure the people at ESPN know that that's one to go to. I'm sure they're hey, going to crank Nathan it out Nathan McKinnon early. and the Colorado Avalanche are going to take on Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you've got to oh, headline yeah. it that way. It, it, that, that's got to become, and I know it's a little bit hard to say it like that because they're not like, it's one thing to be in the same division with somebody, so it's always easy to get that, hey, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins take on Alex Ovechkin in the Capitals, right? Oh, right, we heard that's that a lot. The, that's the low-hanging fruit. You need to jump on that national game where, and, and, and you can do it multiple times. Like, and it's a game you're only getting twice a year. Like Those two but, teams only play each other need, twice a year. Right, but, that's, but when they play each other twice a year, you need to jump on those for like everything. Like My, my point is that, and it's not just that combination. Hey, Nathan McKinnon and the, and the Avalanche against Ryan O'Reilly and the Blues take on... Eric Carlson and the Sharks. Oh, like, that right, wasn't, I know that wasn't what about. I'm thinking. That wasn't what I was thinking. Like I'm thinking of those, that those different conferences where you get two players that all of a sudden have some tie. Like here's okay. a good here's a good tie. Okay. Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing Patrick Kane and the Chicago Blackhawks. Now you okay. got the two current the, the current great American and the next great American. Right. Right. Like it's one of those. All right. Con- you always you, have you, Matthews you it, and Line A. You do it. You do it with McDavid and Crosby. Connor right. McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers take on Sidney Crosby and the Penguins or yeah, whatever. We, ta- we talked earlier about McDavid and Eichel. You do it there. You do, but the Eichel one's losing some steam because of the fact that he might not be. He's probably not going to be on the team that drafted him, and no. that's a little bit of like that, that was takes always some the wind out of the sail because it's a draft thing. Right. Right. I mean, like, don't don't you kind of feel that way already about like not only about the Matthews Line A one, but like. It was a big deal because Matthews Line A was not just one, two, it was and their draft teams. It was in Canada. It was here's yeah. Toronto, Winnipeg. So it was a non-conference. You know, they only meet twice a year anyway. So it was a non-conference. But it still got heat in Canada. Canadian. In yeah, Canada, yeah, yeah. top two picks, all that. For sure. And and now that's going to essentially not completely, but it's going to essentially become an interdivision matchup close to. Like it's yeah. not as it's. You know, and it's and there's something not as special about saying Patrick Line and the Columbus Blue Jackets take like no, that's it was. Not weird. Well, the, listen, let's be real. He's only going to be there one year. You got to go with that first team that they focus on. Let's be real. He's only going to be there one year. Okay, fine. But what if he goes Patrick to another Line team? and the Montreal Canadiens come in to take on Austin Matthews and the Toronto Blue Maple Leafs? Right, you, come on, see, give me on. a good one. All right, Hank. Here's the thing. You've brought back the. You've brought back the Canadian angle. That's good. Yeah. The thing that will make it a little stale is the fact that they would play each other so each much other at that lot. point. That's fair. And and I'm not saying well, how about, current, how about I'm not talking about and I'm not talking about the current format. I'm talking about that's the, their the divisional rivals. Right. That's divisional the rivals. Format, right. You know, so I don't know if well, it will send work. Senator right. to Vancouver. <laughs> All right, well, I, I'm gonna now. I'm gonna try to get Ooh. us back on the rails. Patrick Line with Connor McDavid and Edmonton. Oof. All right. <laughs> Oof. Can they can they do that? Can Patrick Line score seventy goals? No, 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 no. I mean financially. Well, listen. Can they? If do you that? have the Connor opportunity Mc... to add Patrick Line, you make it work. Connor McDavid is making more money than anybody in the league, and trade Nico Koskinen for a bag of hockey pucks. They are um, well. Their goaltending is already suspect. You want to trade another goalie? Yes, because they're going to score seven hundred goals. I don't care. All right, so Patrick Line is going to score a hat trick every single night. You want Line on Edmonton because of the fact that at that point in time, you put Line with Dreisaitl and McDavid and you get goals you're, aplenty. You're going to make so much money on hat merchandise, you can pay for the contract just that way because there's just hat <laughs> tricks hat every night. Because of hat tricks. All right, every night. All right, fair. All right, <laughs> let's get back on the rails and actually get Yeah, you're right. That, okay. You know what? And, and I'm laughing because now I, I don't know how long we were recording before we actually started the show. Two and a half minutes. Was it? No, I thought it was a little more than that. Nope. 
So we I just kicked glossed... us off right around the 240 mark. Okay, so we just glossed over. Yeah, we did. Well, the, listen, here's uh, the, the thing. actual you, subject of the show for a half an seven, hour because we don't we don't want to talk up about seven it. goals in we, okay, one period. We did say it at the very beginning. We yeah. started to talk about this, and then I got into something else about it. I, about Buffalo. <laughs> we talked about happier things. Okay. We talked no because I know what it was. I referenced the fact that they played Buffalo and had that much trouble with it, and then right. you brought up Jack Eichel, and we turned it into and a just whole away other we go. Game. So that's my fault. I'll, I'll take. I'll okay, take. Okay, that's where it was. So let me go back to the. Let's get back. Uh, this sounds like it sounds like Philly sports talk radio, doesn't it? Let's get it back it to sure the Eagles. Like, let's get it back to the Eagles, right? Let's get it back to the Flyers. All right. Okay. So the 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 remaining two Washington games were kind of what they were, but both had a common theme, and that was falling behind and yep. digging Bet a hole poor for starts. yourself. Yeah. And there was a key difference in the Ranger game on Monday this week, because that was a game where the Flyers came out and looked really good in the first twenty minutes. They scored two goals. They got off to a hot start. They were up by two. You right. kind of have the game in your control. You've got the Rangers right where you want to. It's Things a good are start. great. Right. And then came the first of a very, I don't even know what the right word is, uh, very troubling trend, I'll say that much for sure. Uh, for a team, by the way, that Elaine Vigneault said last Saturday was trending in the right direction. We're going to keep throwing that out there. Yeah, we're going to talk about so, uh, so a trending trend. in the right direction. No, so a troubling matter. trend for you. The Flyers gave up three goals in the second period of that Ranger game. Now, they did score one to get back into the game, so it was tied. But they gave up three in the second period. And if only that three was the lowest that they had allowed in a single period in a game. Yeah, that was... This, this week. Yeah. And I'm not talking about Wednesday either, by the or, way. Or Saturday. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I was deferring from Wednesday to get to, to hint at Saturday. Oh, okay. But, but bottom line being, it was a tie game going to the third after a bad period. You gave up the first one in the third period, got it back, and then won it in overtime on... I don't know how Jake Voracek managed to finish the shift the way he did. Yeah, honestly, that was, a, that was a great was, performance out of Jake. Uh, it was really funny to watch the way that the New York Rangers played overtime to realize how teams can overdo that angle of it. That possession yeah. is not always the greatest thing because literally... It's only, only nine-tenths of the law, people. It's not all of it. Look, possession is everything, and, and if there's anything, teams, you know... One of the things I talked about on Open Ice Hits this week was we were talking about the Brandon Tanev hit and how Crosby okay. literally Crosby literally came out afterwards and said, look, just define what a hit is, what a clean hit is, because most of the time the players don't even know, and we really need to know. I get right. you're trying to protect everybody, but we really need to know. And he, like, it's he, not consistent. He, he, right. said it not, he said it way nicer than I just did. But he said it in a way to not get him fined. Pretty much. But, but the point being, one of the things that I said in response to that when I was talking to Broads about it was, you learn to adapt to things. When 3-on-3 three three first started... It was this. Amazing. It was. It was. It was amazing. But it was, it was also. Amazing. But it was mass chaos on ice, right? Yep. Yep. And eventually, it became structured. It was the best method to win in in three on three or to survive three on three is control the puck longer. The, the more pendulum you have it, has the better almost it is. right. The pendulum has almost swung too far in the other direction, where you see teams with good possession just circling for no reason and right. not. And there's no generation of offense. There's no. You're just circling, and eventually it leads to mistakes the other way. And I must say I laugh because I, be I believe it might have been the Buffalo game earlier, like a week before. You know, so we just talked – we had mentioned the Buffalo game. They fell behind 3-1 in the first period, 4-2. They tied it up, and that went to overtime and eventually a shootout. This one against the Rangers was ended in overtime. But I remember watching that whole overtime in the Buffalo game because I was there for that one. It was a home game. Right. And we laughed because we went – 
They don't even want to score any overtime. They're literally just playing to get it to a shootout. Buffalo was. Yep. It's really funny to watch Buffalo playing to get it to a shootout because that's because, the way they feel is the best way they can win the game. Because they knew if the game opened up, the Flyers were more right. skilled and more likely to win. And in their case, yes, they ragged the time enough to actually get it to the shootout. The Rangers did that. And now here's the thing. The Oops. Rangers did now the Rangers did have a couple of scoring chances in that overtime. I don't remember Buffalo having a single one in the overtime the week before. I think they might have had one shot on goal, but I wouldn't even call it they a had scoring one, chance. Well, the, well no, they, I think they had one shot on goal, and they had one that I think was a cross ice toward the crease pass that missed. But the okay, guy right. had positioning, so I call okay. that the scoring chance. Okay. That very easily could have gone in the net, especially with how shaky the goaltending has been and, and defense and all that I, stuff, right? Yeah, Carter Carter Hart's a problem, and we'll talk about that as we move forward. Right. But, yeah. So you, you push the envelope a little too much in that game, and Keith Kincaid makes a mistake. I, I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get it up ice as quickly as possible. Maybe, maybe he made a mistake. Maybe he didn't. Maybe the fault is Artemi Panarin was tired as anything, and all you had to do instead of trying to jump up and take advantage, you could have retained possession and Come said, back and get it. Well, and said, let the goalie just hold it for five seconds while a new guy hops on the ice, and I'll dish it to him instead. Right. You know? Let's put it this way. At that point in time, the worst-case scenario that would have happened in that game is, you know, is honestly— was Jake Voracek going to get off the ice in time to get a new guy on before they were in the zone again? Right. And instead, he stayed on the ice. They tried to get it up quickly, and Voracek read the play, took a chance, got it right, and went and 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 went in on basically what is as close to an overtime shootout attempt as I think I've ever seen. Oh, it was clean. Yeah, like he was just all by Pan- himself. Like Panarin saw where he was and went, "Yeah, no, I'm just I'm waiting to going get for like, a change." <laughs> no, it wasn't that he skated back very slowly to basically sit there and say. If he misses the net, if it shoots right back out, I'll at least be behind him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that was about all he was looking he at. He was already it. prepping to go back on offense if the opportunity was and, there. And, 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 and it might honestly be close to the end of the positivity we have for the show for this week. But what, a move, that, yeah. but what a move that was. It was insane. Great yes. move. And, and you win the game. And you get the win that you needed because you lost two in a row, three out of four, four out of five. you just got embarrassed. You know. Well, no, you hadn't really been embarrassed yet. This is still Monday oh, right, of the right, week, right, so, right, right, right. so you hadn't been embarrassed, but you haven't played well, and you know it. And it was like, again, could that be every time so they've the won? Games a, all blurred together this week. But, yeah, <laughs> every t- but every time they've won a game, whether you know, no matter how you know not pretty they were, because every single one of them wasn't. Right. We go four three comeback win in Pittsburgh. That's a character builder, right? Got to be yep. a turning point. They somehow they come back and they beat Buffalo five four and we go yeah Buffalo's not great no Eichel but you were left for you dead in that, to come back you were left for dead in that game and you found a way so good teams find a way to win those games right good win and and against the team you had to and, and honestly because of the fact that Buffalo is where they were you actually even went yeah don't worry about the point you know don't worry about the point that they got you got the two you kept pace good job totally right same thing with the Ranger game they're behind you you don't love giving up that point but they were behind you so you go. No big deal, you know. You've you've now won two out of three against them, and all they've got to show for, and 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 in the loss you have, you got a point. So it's basically you had two games that evened themselves out, and right. you and you won one of them in regulation. So again, you're still in a spot where three games played, five points. The Rangers have three, or have two. I'm sorry because they've lost all the games. Right. Or no, three. I'm sorry. The one win, one overtime loss. That's right. So three. I was right the first time. 
don't ask me to do math today. It's already <laughs> messed up. Um, so, every, but everything's looking good because every single time you've won a game, you're going, could that be a turning point? You know, and even the other game they won this week, could that be a turning point? You found a way, right? Especially in response to the other game, the nine nothing debacle. Yeah. You come back the next yeah. night. You played probably the best first fifty minutes you've played all year. And you had to. And you, you had absolutely to. had to. And one of the things that I referenced in takeaways from the Saturday game is that, and it, and it happened on Thursday too, even though they won the game, is that it feels like when the first one goes in, it sets off this chain reaction of like it just does like one turns into three very quickly right but the problem is that's also going the other way <laughs> and defensively one is turning into three very quickly when things no, that, break no, down oh, no, they're no, breaking oh, no, no, down no, in oh, bunches no. well no that, that's what i mean i'm talking about oh, from oh, the, oh i'm saying from the defensive side you were up oh, yeah. three nothing in it's a awful. game ten, you're up three nothing in a game about 12 minutes to go and one turned into three in six minutes. Yeah, things just break down and so, the house collapses. So you can take the good first 50 and throw it out the window when you had to eventually what it turned into was, and I tweeted it during the game, and it ended up somehow actually happening this way. But it was, you're down to five under five minutes to go. It's now a tie game, and you need this game after the embarrassment from the day before. Need this game. You need to now. Now, what do you need to do? It's the back end of a back to back, and I certainly did attribute the fact they gave up three in short order to here comes a team off of a night off compared to a team that skated to a nine nothing loss the night before. Absolutely. You know, so and not to say fatigue is the thing, but it's like you already got blown out as bad as anybody has ever seen in in franchise history, almost. You know, for for a lot of for a good you know for a whole generation of Flyers fans, that's the worst loss we've ever seen. Yep. You know. And embarrassing. Let's see. So you get to that point and now you got to dig down really deep to find a way to win that game. And it didn't have to be in regulation, but you're going whatever it is, dig down really deep. Right. You know, you got to get the win. It, it, it kind of starts because it starts to turn into one of those situations where, yes, even though the Islanders are above them in the standings. You don't care about the points in that angle either because you go, they're so far ahead of you that you give them the point two and just focus on getting into the top four. Right, you just need you, two yourself. Well, because well, let's put it this way: you can't if you, when you're looking at it in in big picture mode for a minute from from the whole season. You go, what's more important, closing the gap of three or closing the gap of eleven? Right. You know, the gap of eleven is out of your range until you get much closer to it and pass people. So you might as well focus on the one that's in front. And just focus on you need two points out of it. You need two, no matter how it goes. And they get the two. And it's great to see who got the two. Because, yep. you know, to have Oscar Limblom be the guy. Yep. And that was huge for them. And it's great. And, and, I, and I think that the reason that became a thought of, well, could this be the turning point? Was not because of the fact that they won a game that maybe they shouldn't have or they but could have slipped it's away. Oscar Lindblom it's, the, it's literally huge, one of your heart goals. and soul guys. Exactly. Yeah, two absolutely huge, huge goals at Oscar, and you do end up winning that game late in regulation. Right. And like you said, you shouldn't have needed the gut check, but you got the gut check there, right? You should have just cruised to an easy 3 nothing, 3-1 win, but you gave up three goals and had to scramble. Whatever, that's fine. You get the win. But then looking, looking at the effort that showed up on Saturday... <laughs> right, you you come off that win Thursday. You got a little bit of momentum. Hopefully, you're 
turning things around, right? You've come off the 9 nothing. You've come back the next night. You've rebounded. You won the game. Like you said, you jump out to a 3 nothing lead. You, you establish a really good first 50 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes, you throw a lot of it away. Thankfully, you scramble and, and end up still getting the win. Mm-hmm. How do you come out flat against the Islanders on Saturday night after an off day? Well, all right. Let's let's start. Let's try to dissect this one as best we can. Right. right. All right. So first of all, it comes back to the same thing I just mentioned. Uh, first of all, by the way, one of my takeaways from Thursday was great fifty-minute effort to start with. And yes, you you let the lead slip away, and for whatever reason, and maybe I'll sit there and give you the benefit of the doubt and say it was off of the back end of a back-to-back. Uh, sure, once, you're once you're you get another bit. night off and you get to you know, and at least you got the win to because if that's a loss, then we're not even worried about Saturday at this point. You know what I mean? Saturday's game becomes a non-story to an extent because it's already like I don't know if like if they lose Thursday, then the Saturday game either becomes. They won a game, and now it was just one game too late to jump in and win a game. Or if they lose it, it's now three-game losing streak. Could have been four, which would have made it. Which, if it was four for the week, it would have become a six-game losing streak. Ugh. And it's like at that point in time, you're probably already chalking up the whole year. Yeah, right. And like we're uh, we're so considering it honestly. Well, I hear you, but like the point with Thursday's game was it restored it back just a little bit because you went. It's in there. For 50 minutes, you kind of put it all together. Defense was good for a change. Got good, got the scoring. You got the goaltending. It was working out for you. And then it like all fell apart in the final 10, and then you found a way to win the game anyway. But basically the point was is like everybody could sit there and at least go, it's in there. That game is right. in there somewhere. We saw it's that capable. Team. It's capable. Right, and we've seen games out of – this team that were that team, right? We've seen that team for a period. We've seen that team for two periods. We've seen that team for, you know, 50 minutes against, uh, you know, the Islanders the other night. Right. And then and <sighs> that's so, the team, but, man. That's but, the team that we're talking about when I'm talking about this team being a top five team in the league. We just don't see it consistently enough. The problem is that at this point, one of the big problems is, and you came out the next game, so Saturday you come back out. And basically, again, it's that snowball effect. You take a penalty in the offensive zone, give up a goal, and it's a bad bounce, and it happens, and it's and that's fine. But then you just stop playing again, and it's two, right. then it's three, then it's four, and you're literally and, laughing about it. And and, it and was your goalie didn't thing. do much for you. No, I mean, at, quite honestly, as I watched the game, as, as I was watching it, the third one went in, which shouldn't have gone in. And I immediately, the first words out of Get my out. mouth were, yank him. Get him out. Yep. And if three wasn't enough, four absolutely should have been. I really don't, I, like, this is where coaching is baffling to me a little bit because yeah. I don't understand why he had to, I don't understand why Carter Hart in the fragile state he is in with his confidence. Had to get shelled had, like that. Had to sit in, in there for a 6-1 to one game and also enter a 9 nothing game when you got Brian Elliott out there. Right. And when did Brian Elliott come out after five? Five. So, so they Carter Hart Car- gave up. So four, Carter Hart. So Carter Hart gave up. Had to, or and then the three nights later, I had to sit in there and get hit for six. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Well, not only that, but like, let's play this card, okay? So Carter Hart w- played on Monday, gave up four, then gave up four to the Rangers in relief on two on Wednesday, yep. then gave up three in a period against the Islanders on Thursday, yep. then gave up six in a game on Saturday. Yeah, Carter Hart hasn't had a very good a very good season. 
honestly. Like, no. I saw uh, another athletic article that I'm going to reference here. It was Dom Lecision again. Um, and in some number of stats, Carter Hart was 70th of 71 yep. in the league with literally only Matt Murray behind him. And Matt Murray has had a very poor season in Well, Ottawa. there you go. Because even in the takeaways article I wrote today for the, the response to the game, they are, uh, let's see, where was the one? Where did I finally put this one? The Flyers are the second worst team in the league in goals okay. allowed per game at 3.55. Yeah. The Senators are the only team worse at 3.91. Yeah, and and again, it's we bad. we came out and had a conversation last week or two weeks ago about the fact that Carter Hart is very likely going to be fine. Carter Hart is very likely a good NHL goalie and will continue to be a good NHL goalie and will continue his upward trajectory as things kind of go along. But this is a hell of a sophomore slump. And at this point, at this point, there's really no excuse for him to be your primary starter for the rest of the regular season. Unless he figures it out in a hurry, I think Brian Elliott should be assumed to be starting the majority of games from here on out. Well, and then even I'll, if even if it's just Carter Hart taking the extra time to get his head right. All right, here then here's something I'm going to say about this then, and I'm not saying that I agree with you or disagree with you per se. Here's where I'm going with this though. Okay. So on Monday, we kind of got a surprise in Monday's game that Alex Lyon was called up off the taxi squad and and going to back and back going to back up. Uh, and, yeah, not no, a huge no, no, huge surprise. No, but okay, but so they gave Brian Elliott some extra work at. The, at the morning skate, they said, take the day off. They're not skating the next day, and he'll be, you know, which, by the way, you know, made it seem like, obviously, okay, yes, he's going to start against the Rangers the next night. Right. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. The question was asked at the press conference, though. So Alex Lyons here is your backup. Is there any thought, like, are you giving in any thought to him actually starting a game? Like, is he is that the reason why he's around? Right. Like, and it's a fair question. It's not to sit there and say that that's a suggestion. That's asking the coach is the reason why he's on the bench as the backup because you're actually thinking about doing this. Are you considering it? Right. right. Like, are you considering giving him playing time during this because of all the games? Because Elaine Vigneault constantly said the thing about five and five and seven or six and nine and going, never had anything like this before in my time as a coach, all that stuff. Right? Okay. Right. And that's something that every then, team's dealing no, with. For the and record. then Thursday, they called Lyon up again from the taxi squad. And legitimately, with the way that the Wednesday night game went, I actually thought that there was a chance that Alex Lyon was starting a game. And he, I and texted literally, that to the group, didn't I? And literally, for, for a guy who had played one period of hockey in the last year. And I couldn't believe the fact that it was like, not coming to the point, but it's like, if that happens, then Elaine Vigneault should get absolutely blasted. For, for answering a question three days before, no, we're not considering it, and then backtracking that quickly. Right. Like, that's that's the problem I had well, with it. Like, you can't just – you don't tease that. But now it's coming to a point where it I might happen. No, but right. Like, well, that's, now, that's the thing is uh, what changed between what he said on Monday and morning skate on Thursday – you lost nine nothing on Wednesday night. No, I and get that. That changes things. I get that, but my my point was this: you either had the choice to, you very well could have done exactly what not you needed to do, but you very well could have done exactly what you, you know, did with Carter Hart earlier in the year when they went to Boston, and Carter Hart's in in there for the whole game of a six one loss yep. and getting pissed off and slamming his stick and breaking his stick and all that stuff. You left him in there the whole time because that was the way it was, you know? 
Right. There wasn't a good opportunity to get him out of there, and that was the way it was. No. And he got frustrated for it. You mean to tell me that you knew going in that it's a back-to-back? You know that you need Carter Hart the next night. You need a goalie who's fresh. And the best answer you had, that, and, and it's not like like he, it's not like he was bad in Thursday's game. He had moments. Right. The third period, he had moments. But you're looking at it, and you're going, I don't know why both goalies dropped. Why did Brian Elliott not get stuck on the hook for the whole game, no, for better or worse of how bad it was? Why was he not on the hook for the whole thing? Well, I don't know why you don't. On on back to back nights, I don't know why you don't have Alex Lyon available as or that. Uh, yeah, why was Carter? Night. Why was Carter Hart dressed then? Right, like, you real, if, like and then at five nothing when you realize the game's over, then, then you put can Alex yank, Lyon you in and say you're getting to send work. a message, right? And then you're getting Alex Lyon some work. You get a chance to look at him in case you do need to go to him as an option, but you don't exactly. risk Carter Hart's mental fragility, which we've already talked about. That the kid is broken at the moment. Some he needs somebody to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And quite honestly, wouldn't it have been better if you had to pull Brian Elliott. Wouldn't it have been better if if it was Alex Lyon in that Wednesday game? Yeah, absolutely. And you know why? Because I, and I said it on the radio the next night, but I'll say it again here because we've this is our first chance to talk about it. That's a team that quit. Yes, they gave up the third goal and said we're done for the night. We're packing you know, it in, and you and know that's what a team why they that gave quits, up six more. And you know what a team that quits deserves an AHO goaltender. And I'm sorry, Alex Lyon, that's what you are, and you're solid at it. But that's all they deserve. They don't deserve Carter Hart as the backup. They don't uh, get out. But the problem, was, and the, but the problem with that result. The whole result and the picture of that is, it, it, it's not even that it's unacceptable. It's that you can't even, you know, after a certain point, how many times has this happened? You know, how many six ones or seven threes do you have to have and then nine nothing before you finally get the picture and realize that you're either a lousy team or you're, or you better turn it around fast. Like, and not only that, but like the problem you have when you need to turn it around fast is something's going to happen. Right. Big time going to happen. Right. And I don't know when it, when, I don't know when it is. I don't know. Well, one one thing that it might be because I, I know we've we've mentioned turning points a lot this week. We talked about Monday maybe being a turning point. Thursday maybe being a turning point. Uh, Oscar Lindblom didn't just contribute on the score sheet this week. Can we can we talk about Saturday night and what Oscar Lindblom did because this team is so freaking pathetic that so, Oscar Lindblom decided to drop the gloves with yeah. Oliver Wallstrom. They're soft. It's terrible. They're they're that that's how bad they are. You I cannot believe that in a game like that, when you're once again about to be getting your ass handed to you, yep. that you decided to literally not decide to show fight and the guy who had to go in there and drop the gloves and actually act like anybody on that team had a pulse at four nothing was a guy who just overcame cancer. Yeah. That's a joke. Yeah. I nobody, don't know. nobody nobody else on that team has a human being knows how good they have it when you put yourself in his shoes. And you, he's the guy who drops the gloves for you. Do you happen to know who his line mates were that shift? That shift, I'm not sure. But okay, the, I was just curious last, who was on the ice co- with him. For the last couple of games, obviously, it's been Claude Giroux and Travis Konechny. And because if, that, he let, if he let anyone know he was doing that before he did it, and, and, I'm not you, trying to, and you didn't drop the gloves first, that's on you. Right. And I mean, and I mean look, don't get me wrong. In the same vein... Claude Giroux took a hit. What was that? Was that the Ranger game? I think it was because he turned it on in the Ranger game. Yeah, and then Nolan Patrick went after him, and Jake Voracek ended up fighting. Yeah, Yeah. but that was but that was almost like a okay. Captain takes a hit that you don't like. Nolan Patrick comes in, and Jake Voracek's looking at that, going, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. You just had the migraine, the migraines, the head issues. Don't get punched in the head, kid. Get out of here and let me do it." 
right? Where the hell is that for Oscar Where's Lindblom? That? That's what I'm saying. That's why I asked who was on the ice with him. Because if I find out that Kevin Hayes was on the ice with him, like, come on, Kev. <laughs> You're six foot five. Come on. Well, I, like, whoever was on the ice with him. Like, because you know Wallstrom's not asking for that fight. Right, Wallstrom knows where the game's momentum is going. Like the game's already slipping out of the Flyers' hands. Right, Oscar's very clearly attempting, like asking for the fight. Right, there's no way Wallstrom baits that. And 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 in what looking in one sense, good for Oscar Limblom because oh, absolutely, least, you know, at absolutely, least he, at least he cares. But at the same time, he might be the only one who does. I would sometimes argue, it feels that way. I I'll, I'll go to your positivity point that you mentioned before oh, we started recording. Yeah. I would ar- no, I would argue Joel Farabee cares an awful lot right now. Yeah. So. Okay. That's it's just that, it's you're and, right. and, and and you know what the other guy who I'll argue cares because we saw it in the Pittsburgh game that they ended up coming back in. Sean Couturier cares, but it's hard to care on the ice when you can't be on the ice physically. Well, and that that's the thing. other thing about Saturday night's game is that as a very, very, very late scratch, as in he took warm-ups, uh, Sean Couturier did not play Saturday night, was replaced uh, a spot in the lineup. He was replaced by Michael Raffle. Uh, they ended up shuffling some things around last minute, but right. I don't, uh, and I look, I don't know what it is. It's tough I to don't lose know. Sean Couturier. Right. Sure, night. it is. Of course, it is. And and look, if he's not able to play on Monday, which I would say is probably the case, because the Sunday update was he's being evaluated. We'll have more tomorrow. And whenever a team says we'll get a Monday it, news drop, right. <laughs> Well, no, but whenever a team says we don't know it, like it, 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 nothing today, we'll update tomorrow. It is likely the to be several days. The longer you wait, it, it's yeah. likely to be. It might be likely to be several weeks again. I hope not, man. Coots has had such a rough go now, this season. Okay, and in fairness, I get that, and I'm I'm disappointed for him specifically. Yeah. That being said, for the rest of the team, that could almost be a I don't want to say a blessing in disguise, but it could make it, it will probably provide more clarity. Yeah, we for we, what needs to happen. It's funny. We talked in the group chat uh, between Wednesday and Thursday about who was to blame, and you mentioned the three players that didn't play Wednesday night and said, <laughs> you know, they're not to blame. It was that Shane Gostaspear, Nicholas Obey Kubel, and Oscar Lindblom. and Oscar Lindblom. And, well, and ironically enough, look who had the best game on Thursday. Well, right, but you 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 said okay, they're they're not to blame. So, are you asking me who is? I don't even know who is because <laughs> everybody. The answer is everybody. Okay, let me give you the dignified answer that I gave on. Well, and it wasn't that dignified. Like I still said it with like some vigor to it because it was sure. the truth. But this is the most dignified answer I can give you right now on the situation. I said it on Thursday on ninety seven three after the nine nothing game. That game is an organizational failure from top to bottom. That is a game where you realize that management decided to put some faith in internal building and say it's going to get better internally. We don't feel like we need to go get somebody else. So the offseason move they made was Eric Gustafson. That's the first part. From a coaching standpoint, and it becomes more – by the way, the coaching standpoint of this this organizational failure carries over to Saturday as well because when you are dressing Nate Prosser over other players on this team – did Nate Prosser play three hockey games this week? Yes. It was at least two too many. Uh, or I'm sorry, maybe he. Hold on, was he on? Was he out there for that game on Wednesday? I don't know. Pretty if he sure. Was. No, he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't. Okay. Nope, he wasn't. Oh no, do you know why? Because in the nine nothing game, Robert Haig played and then left halfway through, so that opened the door right. for somebody else. And somehow or another, in Elaine Vigneault's mind, the right decision was 
No, don't put Shane Gossesbear, who's been out there more often and has at least looked has been solid better than most. See, that's the level of evaluation for the Flyers defenseman now. I'm not sitting here telling you Shane Gossesbear has like you just use the word solid, right? Solid. Okay. Do you want to know why he's solid to you? Because he hasn't been atrocious, right? Well, and and in reality, he kind of has because going in and I know and hold on, I know plus minus is not a thing. I'm not trying to push it like that, right? But he was a minus twelve without playing in a game that they, they allowed nine goals. Yeah, but he's gone down bar down three times on the power play, so he's back. No, isn't big that goal. how that works? <laughs> no, but the only thing that you can defend is when you need power play goals. Yes, you should have him in your lineup. Yeah, well, I mean, they need power play goals because they just need goals everywhere. Well, yeah, you know why? Let's go. Let me go back to the takeaways article because, hang on, get ready for this one. Because they can't stop a puck. This month they've given up fifty-one goals, which is in eleven games. By wow, the way, wow, that's almost as many as the Buffalo Sabers have scored <laughs> in this season. I know, but you can't go out there and need five a night every night. It's impossible to play like that. I know, and and short of the Edmonton game on Thursday. The first 10 minutes have been atrocious. Every single game. Oh, the Islander game, you mean? Or the Islander game on yeah, Thursday, rather. I'm sorry. You only um, wish. Oh, no. Listen, okay, they're blue and orange. On. It's fine. No, but hold on. That's a great point because as I'm watching, as I thought about the fact that, yeah, we should talk about, Ed, you know, not us, but like, oh, yeah, Edmonton's a good conversation on open ice hits. That's a good one. You know, the McDavid story and things like that. I'm looking at McDavid's point total and Dreisaitl's point total. I'm going, could you imagine if this team played a team as loose defensively and unstructured defensively as the Flyers? I mean, they do McDavid play the Ottawa might, Senators. No, but so. McDavid. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying McDavid might set. You know, he almost did. Remember the one night they? I think they were playing Ottawa, by the way. And McDavid went out there, and they had they both had six points in the second yeah, period. Yeah, I was playing against Connor McDavid in fantasy that week. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely know that game. It was a tight matchup against producer Mike. I lost. Thanks, <laughs> Connor. Um. All right, but let me go back to the let me go back to the takeaway from it because let's go back to the goal scoring thing or the goals allowed thing. I should say. Because the Flyers have allowed four goals or more 14 times this year. Now, how many? you know how many games they've played. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it for the people out there listening. 29. So, so almost half. That's almost half. Yep. Now, last so for context, last season it happened 20 times. Then they gave up four. Like, I'm not talking about going beyond four, but four, four or more. Four or more. Four right. Plus. But okay, if it happened 20 times in 69 games, which is... A rate of, I said it's a rate Almost of about, about a third. That's about 29%. Right. Okay. And then in the playoffs, they played 16 games. And they allowed four or more five times. And that's a rate of about 31.25%. All right. right. Still not great, but like, okay, you can live with it when you win most of the other games. But the fact two, that we're one. At, this is half. Right. That, just shy is, of half. You know, it, it's just. It's. And. It really so back, is. Back to the organizational failure, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Because so coaching is continuing to leave a guy in a game who already doesn't really belong. You let who's like, already done. Right. Who's pretty much already done anyway. Brian and Elliott then was watch, done after no, three. And then watch. No, not Brian Elliott. I'm talking. I'm back to the Nate. Prosser. Oh, 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 you're still on Nate Prosser. Yeah, right. Well, th- th- there's a couple things for me. OK, because Shane Gossespierre ended up sitting out the, the Wednesday game against the Rangers. They allowed nine goals. I get it. He's a minus 12 from the previous games of the month or whatever it is right that's not on but, him right but but nothing in the nine nothing game is on him and at the very least when you have two defensemen who can go minus five before the game is half over I, I even tweeted it because 
I even tweeted, I go, I don't base everything off plus minus. I know it's a skewed number. I know it's not always telling the whole story. Minus when you're five on the ice for five goals five in the first the half of a game. tells the entire story. Yeah. You don't actually need further stats for that one. That one tells itself. Right. And then they finished at minus six. I think San- <laughs> Sanheim was on the ice for a power play goal against also, which... Qual- doesn't qualify as a minus, but doesn't matter. You're on the ice anyway. Nice right. job. Yeah. Phil you Myers know. and Travis Sanheim. So if there wasn't a reason to scratch, so but if there wasn't a reason to scratch one of them after that game, just to, not even to say it's because of poor play, just to say get off the ice for a night so you reset your mind. Remember, the, the, remember that's your, another that was right. another line used during the week that Oscar Lindblom was out of the lineup on Wednesday because he needed a reset, right? And reset worked for him. Don't get me wrong, but. Then why not do that with Phil Myers again? Why not do that with Travis Sanheim? They sucked on Wednesday. Right now, you need to do that with a lot of people. Right. Well, but okay, but why not with them and get Shane Gossesbear back in the line? No, Shane Gossesbear sat again, and now your replacement for Robert Haig was Nate Prosser. I would rather play five defensemen, still just 12 forwards, literally not, don't even dress a sixth defenseman. Right. Rather than play Nate Prosser. That's and how th- poor he's been. And then you go into the Saturday game, and everything stayed exactly the same defensively. Shane Gossespierre is somehow still not able to make the lineup. <sighs> Meanwhile, Nate Prosser goes out there and goes minus three with two gifts to the oh Islanders. Oh, my God. At least two. And there was at least one on Thursday okay, that I hang, recall. No, hang on a minute. I'll tell you what you're thinking of. You're saying at least two. There was also a third that I believe was not a goal. That Carter Hart made a save on. Right. Somehow. A nice save on. A nice save on. Nate Prosser is bad. He's no, not, it's, it's not that Nate Prosser is bad, okay? He's not medium. He's not okay. He's not your eighth defenseman. He is bad. He should not well, play in an NHL game. There you go. Now you're getting it. It's not that Nate Prosser is bad, okay? Because if you put Nate Prosser on the Phantoms, he's good. He is an an, an AHL player. He is not an NHL player anymore. He's bad like setting your house like on is. fire is bad. You can't and you can't act like he is. That's the no. thing. Like why you're acting like he fits this line of Look, great story. He played an NHL game for the first time in 2 years and somehow scored a goal and they helped and it helped them beat the Devils. Awesome. Great. Wonderful. I'm not, and, and at that given point in time, yes, you were dealing with a lot of problems defensively. You had a lot of sure. guys who couldn't play. That was an emergency situation. Who is this guy? Okay, he's in. Awesome. Right? Right. Fine. Why he's playing with mostly a fully healthy lineup is beyond me. I he, don't know how he's in this lineup. I don't I know how he's on. The, I don't know how he's not in Reading, but I know Reading's not playing. They're not right playing. Now. That's how he's I know. Not, well, no. I, well, no. Because, but that's about where he. Belongs. No, he, no, he belongs in the AHL, and the reason he belongs in the AHL is because the AHL, every team in the AHL, especially as you're developing younger talent, yeah, needs the veteran guy. Like for years I, and for years for and, sure. years, and years, for years and years and years, you know who that guy was for the Phantoms, TJ Brennan, yep. because TJ Brennan was the guy who never could crack an NHL roster, but was a really good AHL player that basically told, basically taught kids how to be a professional. Basically, another coach, right? Yep. And that could be Nate Prosser. Yeah, the, sure. And, and, it, and it has been to an extent. You put I don't him want him near my NHL roster. It's, it, he, it just doesn't make any doesn't sense. He doesn't deserve a spot. And at the end of the day, like, you could go about face, turn the whole thing around, and say, bring Sam Moran back up for all I care. And I'm not even advocating that he's good. I'm right. just saying, bring him up for all I care. Don't play this guy. And maybe right. Sam Moran's 
ceiling is about the same as Nate Brazzers at this point. Oh, right. But it doesn't matter. The point at least is, he's young. It's work a, with him a little he's bit. Young, not even he's young. You know what he is? He, you bring him in, and at least, you know what? Maybe Sam Moran can go pick the fight instead of Oscar Limblom. Right. Right? Like, that's the point. Bring Man, him in so I would he picks loved, the fight instead of Oscar Limblom. But I would love that. to see Sam Moran and Matt Martin go at it. Oof. I thought somebody was, there was one point in time where it looked like Matt Martin wanted to go with somebody too during yeah, that game. Who? And I don't even know who it was, but I'm like, if you'd like your face rearranged, then go ahead and do it. But like, cut me right. Maybe I think it was think La- about I think the, it was Lawton. Think about the current roster. The only person who's got a chance, size wise, is probably Robert Hag, and he wasn't in the lineup. Um. Not that we've seen it a whole hell of a lot, but I give I, ju- I'd give Justin Braun a shot. Man, I don't know. I just don't know. What he, I just don't know what he's throwing up. I just don't want him to fall and break a hip. I mean, there's no, there's not really. Yeah, I know, but there's no, there's not really anybody else. I mean, That's what I'm saying. Like there is no lineup. Like I, frame wise, size, no, size wise, you're saying. I mean, like right. if you're asking me who I think would do it in a game, we've seen Albert Cabell do it. Yeah, for sure. He's done it before. Scott Lawton's been willing to do no, it. No, but I'm talking about guys who are willing to go toe to toe with Matt Martin. Nicholas yeah, Obey Kubel is a middleweight at best. <laughs> but I don't. I, no, I just don't. It's not even. So now we're back to the other part. So that's the coaching angle of it. I yeah. can't believe you're actually still trying to defend or somehow looking at this and and trying to make it seem like it's okay because it's, it's not okay. No. Um, and then on top of that, this is exactly what I warned about a year ago. It's exactly what I warned about a year ago when I sat there and I said that now that Elaine Vigneault's in, now that Chuck Fletcher's got a full offseason under his belt, you better go out and perform. Because if you don't, it's over. And right now, I feel like it's over. Yep. I feel it, like this stretches over. Um, it, it seems like the Flyers are circling the drain. And... We were sitting here last week or two weeks ago talking about a Matthias Ekholm trade. (laughs) And maybe something still occurs, right? Maybe Chuck Fletcher, for some reason, still believes and thinks that this team can figure it out. And you know what? Maybe this team can. Maybe this team can flip a switch and play like they played for the first 50 minutes of Thursday's game. And maybe they can just play like that for the rest of the season. And honestly... Matthias Ekholm raises the chances of such an occurrence happening. But that being said, it's not just the fact that you lost two of your four games this week. If you lost a 3-2 game to the, the Rangers on Wednesday and a you know a one nothing game where you know the Islanders steal the game on Saturday night, you know, things happen. You lose games. It was the complete and total utter lack of effort lack of caring, lack of any sort of desire to play good hockey at any point in Wednesday's game against the Rangers or most of Thursday's, or I'm sorry, Saturday's game against the Islanders. Like, the Flyers played 12 periods this week. How many did they show up for? Four-ish? Generously? And, like, that's the thing. Why Does overtime count in Monday's Wait, game? Right. But, like, why is Chuck Fletcher – why why should you spend a first-round pick? The way you're playing right now, that's a top-five pick. Maybe not top five, but it's certainly a lottery pick. You don't trade your first-round pick unless you're positive you're making the playoffs. 
You don't you don't trade your first round pick. No, unless, it's not that it's not that you don't trade your first round pick unless you're positive in making the playoffs. You don't trade for Matias Ekholm unless well, that's, you know. That's what I'm saying is you're not trading these kind of assets unless you think this team. No, now the, now has the, answer, the ability. No, now the answer to the question, at least at the moment, or and it will be, it will, it will continue to be sooner rather than later if you continue down this road. The answer to the question is going to be, who's got an expiring contract? Because they're yeah. not gonna, they're not gonna be here anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like, is it like, certainly looks at this point like the Flyers are more likely to trade, for example, Scott Lawton for a second round pick. Just and I'm not saying they're going yep. to. I think they're going to try to resign Scott Lawton. I think they really like Scott Lawton. But that's the kind of thing you're gonna start hearing if the team continues to play as poorly as they do. And looking ahead, they're at home this week and. You know, from what we know about Carter Hart, he tends to be a little bit better at home. So hopefully, we see some of that this week. But if well, if the Flyers Hart, come Carter out and lose, probably... th- if the Flyers come out and lose three or four this week, be concerned. Like something big could happen. Like I, I so okay. This is as good a time as any. Uh, I was flipping through the Athletic this morning, and I know I've already mentioned the Athletic once on this show, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, they do an article series where you send them your trades. And they call it um, Who Says No? <laughs> and you send them trades. They ask NHL executives to evaluate these these fan-submitted trades. And I'm curious, Kevin, what you think about this one. Calgary sends Johnny Gaudreau and a second-round pick to the Flyers for Travis Konechny and a fifth-round pick. I'm trying to even process that, to be honest. Right. Like, so let's. Uh, I'll break down some of the behind the scenes in case people don't know. I'm sure I'm, you do. I'm, I'm reading it right now. I'm reading it by, right now, okay. by the way. And I'm it's the last that, one. I, yeah, and I'm reading that the executive ter- that they it. asked said, that's a Loved great it. one. I think you have a deal. Well, here's the thing. I think if you make that move, you are priced into making a move for Ekholm. Because you then look at Johnny Gaudreau and Matthias Ekholm and say, okay, we got this year, we got next year. Uh, am I am I correct in saying that Claude Giroux is up after next year? Uh, hold on a second. I'm trying to because I'm I'm trying to process a couple pieces of that. So what, when did okay. you say you think Johnny Gaudreau's up? Isn't he up after next year, or is it one more year after that? I believe it's this year plus one. Um, it might be this year plus two. I'm trying to pull it up, so hold on a minute. Okay. Um, he okay. He has the rest of this year and next year with a modified no trade. Okay. So Johnny Gaudreau's up after next year. Matthias Ekholm is up after next year. I believe Claude Giroux is up after next year. Is that the case? Claude Giroux is up after next year. Correct. Okay. Uh, and Jake is one more year after that, right? Jake is two. Okay, so one more year than Claude and uh, no, 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 no. Jake is up two more years beyond. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so um, he has two seasons still under contract. And then Sean Couturier is also is, up after next year, right? Yes, Sean Couturier okay. is the same year as Drew. So if you trade for Johnny Gaudreau and you trade for Matthias Ekholm, you're looking at basically a two-year window, and you say you got this year, you got next year, and if it doesn't work, we're cutting bait with a lot of these old heads, and we're going with the young kids. And I'm not saying it's 100% correct, but I'm saying you set yourself up to make a push now this year, okay, make a push a, next year, and still have money to sign Carter Hart when you need to. Now, there's a great point in the in the athletic piece that you're talking about that does yeah. say one of the big questions is, 
will would the Flyers trade for Gaudreau when they would have a shot at him in free agency two right. years down the line or a year and a half down the well, line? Well, that's that's and the that's thing. fair, but but like here's the thing. Okay, there's always been, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is the center of attention in Calgary, in a right. lot of ways, and I say that meaning. It's almost like Johnny Gaudreau is the Claude Giroux of Calgary. Right. Like, there's there's not a lot going as, on in Calgary outside the hockey but arena. As long as it doesn't go the direction it should, it's him. And he produces just fine, and he gives you what you need. He gets but, scapegoated a little bit. But he sure. gets scapegoated a lot, correct? Yeah. Like, okay. So maybe it's maybe it's a fit here. Maybe a change of scenery is fine. Maybe he wants to come back. I don't completely know his situation. I do like here's the thing. I do like it's, here's some of the things I know because obviously on open ice hits you we have talk some to, connections. We talk to John every week. Yeah, and I will say this. You know, and, now, and does he talk, prefer and, going by John? I'm sorry, you just called him John there. Oh, is that's that... at, you know I know I just okay. I'm just curious because if he prefers, well, I'll call him John Gaudreau. It just sounds a little weird at this point. It sounds no, very I, formal. I think he's, he's accepted that everybody calls him Johnny Gaudreau, and, <laughs> and he looks I, like a 12 year old. I mean, I th- I think he's trademarked Johnny Hockey. Uh, that's funny. I believe he has. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I should ask him. At some you point. know, the man still gets now. carded when he comes home and goes to the bar. Come on. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. Um, no, I like like he recently, I believe, like within the last year, I believe it happened. Like he recently got engaged, all that stuff. So he's and I. The only thing I'm saying about this is that like I don't know where his fiance is from. I don't know if this is a thing okay. from when he was growing up and like or still going like to high school in Jersey and things like. Or that. I don't know if that's a, the case. Right. But regardless, the point being, if it if it is and the opportunity to return home exists. It may very well be something that happens. He still right. we've, we've asked him questions on the show about things about when you were growing up about this, and his answer ref, like revolves around the Flyers. Usually. Well, sure. And, so that is that would be the dream, probably. But that being one said, of those things. you know, you got to be able to make it happen. Right. Well, and that's one of those things we've heard speculation on Johnny Gaudreau coming home basically since he signed his contract. Basically, they signed. We signed. He signed his contract with Calgary, and every Flyers fan went, "Okay, he's a UFA in 2022. Great, he'll be a Flyer." And I don't know how much of that came from him and his family, and you know what I mean. You hear people whisper, and how much of that is just Flyers fans deciding because he's a, a Jersey kid. <laughs> but I imagine, I'm sure, some part of him wants to come home and play. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually remember uh, hearing some speculation when the Kevin Hayes contract was signed because they were roommates and line mates at BC. That oh, it was yeah. a little bit. I, of, I, I, that I, was I a told, little bit of sowing the seeds and planting the, the foundation for a Johnny Gaudreau reunion. Well, one of one of the questions I asked him on the show a couple weeks back was: Boston College did this thing where they um, uh, they put cardboard cutouts in the seats, and okay. they actually tweet or they put on Instagram like this picture of. That it was Kevin Hayes and Johnny Gaudreau lined, seated next to each other, and I actually just jokingly to be fun about because we don't always want to talk game stuff twenty four seven every time he comes on. Sure. So we like I even said, you know, I know. Look, I get it. I know a little bit about Kevin Hayes' personality because I've been in a locker room. He's covered where the he's team. in there, right. and he's you know he, yeah he's a funny guy, and I and we've seen the videos too. I mean, like let's just wait. The first time I actually was around <sighs> Kevin Hayes, I didn't think that he was that type of guy at all. But did you think? And he then used I saw the ref, video. Though? Oh no, I would have never known. Used to rough. But that makes it but like that was it. Like we saw that video and all of a sudden everybody's like we saw that in the video of him waiting to take warm ups and calling everybody by a nickname and went yep. Okay, this guy's got a personality. Uh, this is gonna second, be funny. Yeah. The um, second the first mic'd up with Kevin Hayes came right. out, Philly fell in love with him. Sure. 
so that I one asked, brewery so, so started the, working on that Kevin Hayes beer. So the question, so the question I asked Johnny Gaudreau was, you know, if if like, what's it like to sit next to somebody like Kevin Hayes at a game with his personality, okay, and, and things like that, you know, or whatever, and it's like. You know, that kind of thing. And he talked about it and he even said, yeah, he's, he's a funny guy, all that type of stuff. Gave the very, you know, and, and most of the time when we talk to him, you, you know, Johnny's very diplomatic about the answers and gives some really, you know. You get the media relations answer. To, in, to a lot of them. I mean, he does give, he, he is loosened up for us a little more than he would be on television per se, you know. Sure. Yeah, but, I, I heard him on Spit and Chicklets. He was solid. He's yeah, he's, and he and and he he gives us a little bit of that. We don't quite push the envelope as much as that pod does. But, Whoa, shocker! Yeah, I know, but <laughs> but nonetheless, um, like, all right. So here's where I'm at with this one because that's an interesting one. You asked me like what yeah, my thoughts. I'm curious. Were I'm curious what you would do here because the thing is, yeah, you could sign Johnny Gaudreau in two years. All right, listen. Here's but what if you here, don't? Right? Here, what right, if this? Well, sure. This, right. All right. Here's where I'll go. Here's where I'll go with it right now. And I, I would say, let's just wait. If I'm Calgary, I don't make the deal right now, by the way. Really? Okay. No, see, no, I think no. if I'm Calgary, I, I really seriously consider making the deal. Well, all right. See, here, here's the thing. I'm hesitating on it from a Philly perspective. Because I'm, I, not, I'm not backing off of it completely Okay. from Calgary's standpoint. What I'm sitting there saying about Calgary is, is that, like, all right, th- then, then here's my answer to that question. And, okay, maybe I'm not saying if I'm Calgary, I don't make the deal, but... It sure feels like the Flyers need to make that kind of move now. Right. Not even to get better, but to sit there and say, this is the type of stuff that could happen if it doesn't. So that's fair. Well, wake, I, like, wait, like it, it, that feels like wake up call move, correct? I, yeah. And I think the, D, the team could do not only with a little bit of a wake up call, but a little bit more of a veteran voice. And I don't know if Travis Konechny is not providing that or I. I, I think the room could benefit from having maybe some one extra player who's a little bit older. Sure. Okay, so here's my thing with that. The Flyers need to do that kind of a deal now to wake yeah. people up. Yeah. The Flames are probably sitting there going, we just made a coaching change. And, I, the te- and the team has looked better in the last two weeks than they have all season. Right. Even if the results aren't perfect. That they, yeah. and, and, and right now, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I have to go double check this just to make sure. Uh, but I believe, and I'm just going to try to do it really fast. All right, the Flyers are three points out of a playoff spot, but Boston is idle completely right now. So that's a little bit of a thing. Calgary is four out of a playoff spot. If and it's you, like... If you were running a franchise and you had to win a Stanley Cup this year, who yeah. do you want on your team? Travis Konechny or Johnny Gaudreau? I'd want Gaudreau now, but I, I like I don't I, like I don't know what the ceiling for Konechny is. Well, right. That's what I was asking. I think uh, Calgary has decided that Monaghan, Giordano, Gaudreau, kind of the old core, isn't it? Boy, that sounds very familiar, doesn't it? I know. I know it does. I know it does. And that's exactly kind of where I'm going with this. I think the uh, the Cal- in, in this proposed deal, which one more time, is uh, Travis Konechny and a fifth-round pick to the Calgary Flames for Johnny Gaudreau in a second-round pick is what we're talking about. Uh, I think I, the Calgary Flames in this proposed deal are trading for a time machine, and they're they're trading for four extra years on Johnny Gaudreau, basically, because I think Travis Konechny, they're looking at Travis Konechny as Johnny Gaudreau to be. And basically the Flyers are sticking him in a, a time machine and moving four years forward, 
and the Flames are doing the same thing in reverse, and the Flyers I, are really trying to accelerate their window to win. I will say this about the executive response to this. That whoever this person is, is a thousand percent correct when saying that Travis Konechny fits what Calgary is trying to do. Right. Because Travis Konechny is a prototypical Daryl Sutter player. Yep. The motor, the edge, has the ability to finish. Probably in that system, doesn't need to be the number one guy, which right. I think is a problem here right now. Um, so Yeah, he shouldn't that, be the, the primary trigger man. I mean, look, I am not... If I'm the one sitting here, and this is me speaking for me when I say we, they, we, I, everything, right? Yeah. If I'm the guy who's sitting there putting on the GM hat and having to try to do this, I'm still not trigger happy yet with guys like that. Okay. Um, but that being said, th- something's got to happen right. at some point. And I'm not saying that means like a trade has to happen immediately. But the big thing that I like the, in waking up following that six to one loss to the Islanders, the biggest thing that has come up since and is probably a good truth, especially on I, I remember texting you guys in the group chat after the nine nothing game. And I believe I did reference that if Thursday was a non game day, if they had come off of a day off from Monday to like on Tuesday, no game on Tuesday, they played Monday night and they won. And they lost nine nothing to the Rangers, and then had another day in between that game. They would have gotten bags. That Thursday would have been a day from hell on the practice rink. Yeah, they wouldn't have had media availability on Thursday because players would have been, you know, wiping away tears. Right, like that's <laughs> it, what you it, need to do for quitting in the middle of a it, game. It would have been boot camp, and Elaine Vigneault has every right to. And now, but now it's wake and, the troops up. And now it's interesting because Saturday you played another game that, by all accounts, the the word to use is embarrassing. You got embarrassed by another yep. team. This is, by the way, the the 6-1 loss or something of the sort with a lopsided defeat, by the way. This is the fourth different team in the division that's handed you a loss like this. Yeah. You've, lo- you've lost to – you've been embarrassed by Buffalo. You've been embarrassed by Boston. You've been embarrassed by the Rangers, and now you've been embarrassed by the Islanders. Yep. Maybe you're just an embarrassing team in this division, quite honestly, if that's the way it, it, it continues to go. Yeah, but, at a certain point, teams are going to start lining up to play the Flyers. But I, I will tell you, and I get that in a shortened season, ice time and trying to find that balance between playing, practice, and recovery is a fine line. I'm shocked it's an off day because to me – I'd be going out there and trying to work harder on why you keep turning the puck over so much. If why they didn't you, play, you know, if they didn't play three games in the last four days with a back-to-back tomorrow and Tuesday, probably. That's I probably think it, it probably would be. But we're looking at a situation where that's what uh, five games in seven days. One, two, three. Yeah, five games in seven days. How do you bag skate a team that's playing that? Often? I didn't say bag skate. I'm surprised they're not practicing oh, uh, that. I was. Um, but like there almost isn't a like so okay so the thing that everybody's or that i'm hearing a lot of waking up and it's a thousand percent correct again i'm agreeing with everybody who's saying it and it's it's the one thing that when it comes to what do you do that i didn't really mention but it's right chuck fletcher needs to speak well and you're and you're talking about organizational failure top to bottom the the fact that chuck fletcher hasn't come out and addressed this let, let's put it this way. I think he needs let's, to. Well, because here's the other reason why he needs to come out and speak. Because in the last week, collectively, from Saturday to Saturday, you've had Elaine Vigneault drop three really notable 
quotes in right. post-game press conferences. In a situation, by the way, that does not typically produce quality sound bites. It's a lot of cliche speak, a lot of hockey Especially speak. over Zoom. Right. Right. So you got, let's see, you got... The Saturday before, you've lost your third game of the week to the Washington Capitals, and you get, but we're trending in the right direction. Yep. That after, was the big no. one. Now, after Wednesday's game, now, total embarrassment. Nine he nothing. Was, now, he was as short as I've ever heard him. I mean, that press conference probably lasted two minutes. What, about five seven, five eight? <laughs> you know what I mean. The answers were as short. <laughs> He's a little taller than five seven. Yeah, five, I know. Believe I know. me. Um, uh no, but you got, like, I don't recall short answers from him. I don't recall times where he was not addressing the media by name over these Zoom calls. He didn't even, at the end of the press conference, give you the typical, thanks, guys, stay safe. He just said, see you later, and walked away. He's 5'11". I was going to say six foot, by okay. the way. That was my guess. He Because he did play, so he had to have some size. Sure. But, like, no, but my point was... Well, he also no. played in the 80s, so okay. maybe not. The reason, the reason I was telling you he's not that short is because... I'm between five seven, five eight. So I know he's taller than me. Listen, if our if any of our listeners know, I'm six foot seven, so everybody's short to me. <laughs> that's right. Let's get let's get it back to the uh, the quotes here for a minute. So that's the, so you get that. But the quote in the middle of that press conference, by the way, the Wednesday one was that something about at, after the second period, what what kind of thing do you say or something like that? And he goes, "There's not much to, something about there's not much to be said. It's a question of good leadership and pride." Well, that's pretty. That's pretty damn telling, isn't it? Uh, that means there has been poor leadership and no pride, is what we're hearing. That's um, right. That's so you're asking. So now, no. So now the question kind of becomes, and and, it, and it, this has evolved because at first, what you took that as on the surface was a thinly veiled shot at the leadership. Your core. leadership group. Yeah. Where is Claude, Claude Drew? Drew Where's Jake Voracek? Where is Sean Couturier? Even yeah. yes. Like, take your pick. The leaders of this team did not step up, and they're and not it is getting a the job done, right? right. And, and and at least make it seem like the effort should have been better. It was a bad game, all that, right? Yeah. So that's where it goes from there. The thing about that is, is that then the next game, the player does show up. Claude Drew has a really good game, so all right, he shows up. You don't really feel like you're questioning that leadership anymore from that particular standpoint. So is the thinly veiled shot? I'm the one left here to try to answer your questions, and the GM is not. Because I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to dig back pretty deep to try to figure out the last time we heard from Chuck Fletcher, and I believe it was probably somewhere in the range of, if I'm not mistaken, the bubble. No, oh, no, he's 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 spoken this year, yeah. it, but it was probably in the range of the COVID outbreak and going right. into Lake Tahoe. We heard right. from him about like what a privilege it is to be going to Lake Tahoe anyway, and and about the recovery and about the COVID situation, all that. Yeah, I it think might it's be time, time. It might be time to come out and address your about your, where your team is at. Yeah, I think after a nine nothing loss is when you get Chuck Fletcher's attention. When you come out well, on Saturday and throw no, up that stinker to the Islanders, he's got to come out and say something. Because the, prob the, the problem with the nine nothing game is that you had a game the next day, so you didn't right. need to hear from the GM in that particular spot. I mean, it would have been telling if you did, well, but right. you didn't need to per, per se. The day off today gave you a perfect exactly. opportunity to put and him in front of somebody well and even if not today tomorrow still does right and we're but, sitting, but realistically what, three the, weeks from the trade deadline three and a half about that yeah and we don't know which direction the team's going and we're talking you know we've heard all season long this trade deadline season 
as you will, is probably going to start earlier than most other years but, because of yeah. COVID restrictions and stuff. The Flyers are going to have to make a decision soon yeah. about if they're buyers or sellers. But the reason, so the reason I bring up the Chuck Fletcher thing here again, and the reason why he needs to get in front of somebody and speak about this, for sure, is when it comes down to it, you can't accept nine nothing, obviously. But you went out and you played the next night and you won a game. That's fine. But this is literally the next game after that, and you just got embarrassed again. There is a big problem here with two things. One is the timing of it, because even if you waited until Monday, even if you finally on Monday go, oh, you know what, he is going to speak today. It still feels like a day too late because you had a chance to come out right away, even on an off day. I know the team's not necessarily there, maybe, or whatever it is. It's an off day, but you've got to almost address it immediately. To sit there and say, like, I, the way I watched this week or the way that I watched the last two or three or however many you want to go back from the start of March. Yeah, you can go back pretty far. Or go back to even or even go back throughout the season and just sit there and say between the puck management and this and that, how unacceptable it's been the way they've played. You have an opportunity to do that, to kind of call out your team. And that's why I sit there and I go, I don't know that I love that trade scenario that's out there, but right. I almost but I almost consider it in the sense okay. that like like I consider like not consider like obviously I consider that deal anyway. Right. But I almost pull the trigger on it. Because of the fact that I almost sit there and I go, you know what? I'm tired of sitting here whether or not and going, well, Travis Konechny could be, you know, I, I can't, right. you can't play like that anymore. And at some point in time, you've got to either sit there and make the move, that, and, and maybe that is the move also that shakes you to the core. Yeah. That tells, that tells even, you know, uh, it's hard to pick on, it's hard to pick on everybody because like, you know, Claude Drew's going to be here. You know, Kevin right. Hayes is going to be there. There's, there's no move clauses. Don't go away just because you're not a good team. Well, but, and, Jake other, Vorchek, and Jake Voracek's contract is hard to move. So you've kind of got to hit it in a spot. And, and even as obvious as Shane Gosser, and if I'm Shane Gosser, by the way, after this week, I want out of this town. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for no reason other than if you can't crack the roster over Nate Prosser, then I don't want to be here. Right. Uh, the, other, the other thing here is maybe they don't go acquire Johnny Gaudreau. Because you don't want to positively reinforce Kevin Hayes. Because let's, I, I did want to talk about that for a minute. I feel like Kevin Hayes has played fairly poorly, especially this week. I don't, I have not seen what a $7 million player needs to show me out of Kevin Hayes over the last week or two. I've seen over the, well, over the last week or two. Good luck finding anybody who has shown you their well. That's well. That's fair, and I think that's part of it. Is Kevin Hayes might not be the most talented player on this team, and I think we all kind of know that Kevin Hayes included. But I think Kevin Hayes is actually giving you better this season in certain areas than he did last year. Kevin Hayes is Kevin Hayes is an energy guy in that when he is playing with energy, when he is in the zone, when he is locked in, he elevates his teammates. And he hasn't been locked in. I he's been lazy with the puck. He's been the the stupid no look drop pass. Kevin Hayes is one of the worst offenders on the team on a team full of them. And I think trading for his college roommate that he's still very good friends with might be some negative, you know, some positive reinforcement that I'm not necessarily sure Kevin Hayes needs at the moment. I don't know. I mean, 
there's not like it's it's hard to pick on one guy. That's the hard yeah. part. Like like I'm not trying to sit here and tell you he's been perfect, but he's been far from the worst guy on the That's team. Fair. Like I think he just raised my expectations because he played so well last year. And even like look, even I, when he wasn't producing offensively, he was active defensively and was really good on the penalty kill. And the penalty kill has just been atrocious. At least it feels All like right. it. Let me go this way too, because I, I I can't sit there at the end of the night when Sean Couturier goes out of the lineup unexpectedly. And they literally have to throw Michael Roffelin, who's probably still not 100%. I can't pick on Michael Roffel that game. But I, but I damn sure can pick on his two line mates in that game who had higher expectations than this. And this is what I'm talking about with the GM organizational failure when it comes to you gambled on your internal players. You took the chance and you said, Nolan Patrick's going to be a, con- a contributor. He's back. He's going to help us. He's like a free agent acquisition. You said that about Oscar Lindblom. Oscar Lindblom's kind of come around the last couple of nights, so I'm not going to pick on him too hard, but he's been quiet for a lot of the season. Right. Nick Aubrey-Kubel has been terrible this year. Terrible. And and and, no, and and Nolan Patrick, you know, to actually comment on him and not just say you expected more things. Nolan Patrick's giving you Jack, and I'm not talking about Eichel. He's I'm giving you turnovers. Jack. He's giving the puck away. He's okay. giving the other team then opportunities. Positive things. He's giving you nothing. <laughs> Right, he's giving you headaches and not the kind that he spent a year fighting. <laughs> like he's, I, I don't know who gave the puck over, who turned the puck over more, him or Nate Prosser. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. Some bad ones. And yeah, so that's what brings a lot of stuff into question, and that's the thing. Like in my coverage of the team, here's the hard part, okay? Because I'm, I'm watching, like I'm watching a chain right now featuring a few other writers. Uh, Charlie O'Connor's kind of been leading the charge with this one a little bit to an extent because, and not in a bad way, by the way. Like he's throwing out there how Twitter's been exhausting lately because there's 12 different angles coming at you. Right. Like it, you know, it, it's like trying to be the goalie right now and make saves when the puck's coming at you from every which way and you yep. can't stop them all because it's like there's so many different people who are frustrated in it. And and it was funny because Jason Martinez chimed in, a friend of the show, by the way, friend of the right? show. Who chimed in and even said he, that he's feeling that as well? And Turner said, "It's almost like we get the blame when things don't go according to expectation." I didn't let it go in last night, but you'd think I did, right? Like, like as if he's supposed to be the one who solves the problem, right? Like, like there is no way. Like, listen, if Elaine, and that actually ties in really well with what Elaine Vigneault said on Saturday night, because his other quote of one moment of the week was that if he could put his finger on the problem, it would be fixed already. Well. Right. There's two schools of thought, and, and there, I saw both of them, or I saw one of them, and they're right. Nate Prosser, I found it. Well, that see, that's and that's the part. Okay, um, that's the thing. That yes, you can like yes, you can. Um, I saw a lot of comments after that one that were, uh, that's your job to put your finger on the problem, right? And I don't disagree with that, but part of that also is getting a team that actually doesn't have gigantic holes. You know, like. So part of it's Chuck Fletcher's problem too, like yeah, and that's and that that's another reason why people need to hear from Chuck Fletcher because if Elaine Vigneault is giving you comments like trending in the right direction and get and it backfires, which by the way I said on ninety seven three the same thing and I saw it in a couple of different other you know like I think Charlie wrote it at one point in time all that type of stuff because it's all again I, I echoed this because it's the truth. You gambled. You took a chance by saying we're trending in the right direction, and you bet on your players. You bet on the team that you had that was mostly here last year, and you said it's going to get better. These guys are good enough, right? But it's going to get better, and it's not going to be as bad as it was this week. 
and you lost. You know, Bad. and now you have to ask yourself if you're Chuck Fletcher, is it worth it to push all the chips to the center of the table and say, all in right now? Give me, give me Gaudreau and Ekholm. Let's right. do it. Right. Or, or whatever. Because like, that, 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 that I think kind of represents the all in, right? Like yeah, if you well, go acquire well, and, those by, and by the way, f- for context here, you're referencing a Johnny Gaudreau trade from a Who Says No article, which is a hypothetical, sure. which is a hypothetical fan thing. Gaudreau's been linked. No, Gaudreau's been linked to Philly for years. Right. Obviously, I don't have anything. Like, there's a difference between Nashville sending scouts to the minor leagues and Ekholm's on the block, and everyone knows it. Yeah. And Johnny Gaudreau is in Calgary. Yeah, but it's kind of an open secret that they've been fluctuating between willing to move him and actively looking. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that for quite a while now. But in the weeks after a coaching change and in the shortened season, when you play the division all the time, I don't think they're close to trading him right now is my point. That's fair. That's fair. I don't see that having any weight to it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But if they, if they fall a couple more points out and they decide that they're not necessarily in it this year, I don't think they would mind. And if Travis Konechny has to sit the border for two weeks because he's, you know, emigrating back to Canada, well, that's, I, actually, I don't that's a really good know, point. Well, I don't necessarily know if Calgary's too worried about it, if they're downgrading anyway, right? Like, if they're making that move, they're making that move because they're kind of done for the year. Right. In a lot of ways, if they become sellers at the deadline. And that's something that could easily happen if they fall out of the race here. Um, but at the current moment, I think you said they're, what, five points out? So it's it's certainly not. Oh, Calgary's four out, yeah. Four points out, I'm sorry. So but it's Cal- certainly not beyond thing, reach. The thing that Calgary's doing, and, I, and it's one of the things that we're bringing up, that we brought up on Open Ice Hits, actually, this week, is they went two and two this week in four games against Edmonton and, and Toronto. And you're going, okay. look where Edmonton and Toronto are in the standings and go, you'll take the two wins in regulation, yeah. and the rest is what it is. Like You snagged yeah. one win off of each of them? Good for you, well, absolutely. Well, well because, the point, because the point now is, that Calgary's going to go on and play Ottawa and then and then get a test with Winnipeg, but you're going to play those teams that are kind of more in your ballpark. Right. The Toronto, you and, Toronto, be. Toronto and Edmonton are really good, and it doesn't help matters that when you play Toronto and Edmonton each time, that Connor McDavid's on another planet right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right, and it's kind of, kind of like how we were looking at the flyer schedule last week, right? Last week on the show, we looked at the week that just came and said, okay— we just got done playing the top of the division, the Bostons and the blah, blah, blah. This is when we're going to play the teams that we should play. And the Flyers went. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you knew, no, because you knew Pittsburgh was an interesting one because Pittsburgh was kind of hanging with you, right? right? Then Washington was going to be the where do you stand with them? And they haven't had, like, this is like, do you think that anybody is really worried about Boston anymore in terms of, like Boston's now the team that you're chasing and yet you can't beat them and do you does right. anybody think that they would anyway right uh, not not right now the current yeah and that's that's a good place to get out of here no I don't think this current <laughs> version of the team could beat Boston the bottom line uh, and, and 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 this is where we are with this I mean it's going to be an interesting week the you know certainly the, is let's way based on what I see on Twitter throughout the day and the fact that we're recording a little later than normal. So usually we're kind of sitting here in the morning and we're waiting. Like at this point in time, it's pretty obvious that the team just issued an update on Sean Couturier that they don't have an update and they'll have one tomorrow. Um, yeah, they're closed for the day. <laughs> right. Like it's pretty obvious that there's nothing else that's going to be happening today. No. So you're now at a point where you go, the, the silence is deafening yep. today. And could it, and could it be rectified on Monday? It very possibly could. I don't, you know, but 
I don't think either of us are sitting here expecting it. I'm not sitting here saying I expect it. It's a game day. I'm fully expecting the morning to be, here's Elaine Vigneault, who's the goalie tonight, blah, 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 and then waiting for the next, you know, waiting for the game to take place. But that being said, that's the next opportunity. That's all we can go off of. And, And basically from here, every game that you play is the next opportunity. You're going to have a game on Monday. You're going to have a game on Tuesday. You're going to have a game on Thursday. And and then Saturday afternoon as well. And by the time we next reconvene in a week, what could happen? You know, like it's that much. It's <laughs> it is it is that gigantic of a question. And it's a Saturday afternoon game. They could trade somebody Saturday night. Well, it's crazy. I wouldn't go that far because everybody else is probably playing on Saturday night. Yeah, so I don't know you if you're going to dance with. I don't know if you're going to get a dancing partner on Saturday night. That said, this is going to be, you know, this. Well, it's make it or break it season. Well, because this this is the week that ultimately determines it. Like they it's go anything they go anything two and two or worse, they're yeah. sellers. And two one one is your absolute bare minimum to stay in the playoff race at this point. And even that, depending on how those games look, might not be enough. Well, because well, because let's let's be honest about the way that the the schedule structured for right now. It's going to be fool's gold to an extent because of the fact that let's say they win against the Islanders somehow on Monday, and let's say they win against New Jersey because New Jersey's not that great of a team either. Right. Um, and you get two wins and four points. Theoretically, Carter Hart would win one of those games. That would be great. Sure. Well, he, Carter Hart did win games this week too, and it had to feel good for him. That like, uh, that's I even said it in the Monday game. It was an overtime win. It was not pretty, but he got a win, and it and had he to spent feel the rest better. Of the week getting kicked in the mouth. No, and he got the win on Thursday though too. Yeah. You know, not a fun week. I get it, but no. that's beside the point. Um, you know, it's, but either no, way, we're looking at this upcoming schedule. So, no, here's yeah. where I'm at with this: if they win both games, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the Bruins' postponements went through next Tuesday. Something like that from their yeah. COVID because they had a little, they had a miniature COVID outbreak. It's not not nearly. I mean, I, I say that like that. The Flyers had eight different players who made the list over the course of the better part of two weeks. The, the Bruins are at five at the okay. moment. I mean, n- not insignificant by any stretch, by the way. The five names are Sean Corrali, Craig Smith, David Posternock, David Krejci, and um, I'm missing one, Jake DeBrusque. Whew. So it's a like it's like a who's who list on that one. Um, that being said, like, so that's where I'm saying fool's gold. If the Flyers were to win the next two games, maybe even if they were to win one and lose one in overtime. Let's go there. Right, three points. They would technically be tied again for the final playoff spot with the Bruins. But you know by that point that the Bruins are sitting on three extra games, and it's not going to go that way for them. Right, and that's one of the things we talked about um, following Wednesday's big loss, is that even though it's a big loss, even though you let up seven goals in the second period, even though you let up nine goals in the game, it's just two points in the standings. And Exactly, it's one game. But that that being said, you you could come out. I didn't even have a problem if they lost the game on Saturday. If you would have lost the game by, like, and Travis Konechny said something after the game, it was very much kind of like that. If, you, if you're losing by a goal or if it's two goals because it's an empty netter at the end, it, it's one thing to be competitive in the game and lose it and kind of go, well, there's a couple things that went wrong, but, good, you know, good effort, good work, you know, tried to, you were in it, right? There was an opportunity there. Right. It's another thing to go out there and con- consistently get your ass handed to you. And yeah, and I hope that's not the case, but we will find out tomorrow but that's, if, that's but that's, the, if that's the Flyers team that's going to continue to show up. But that's the week that lies ahead of you, because if yep. it becomes even more regular than it already is, I don't see how you play out the rest of the week and not see something significant happen. And I look, 
I got asked point blank on 97.3, is Elaine Vigneault's job in trouble? And my answer was, I don't think so. Because you, you don't bring in a guy in year one and have things go really, really well, and then say the year after, he's the problem all of a sudden. As a matter of fact, that would probably be the worst thing they could do. Because in the grand scheme of things, you're just passing the buck again. For, right. It's Scott Gordon's for, problem again. <laughs> well, no, not even that. You're passing the buck again to somebody else. Because let's put it way, it doesn't have to be Scott Gordon come up from the Phantoms and coach this team for the rest of the year. There's free agents out there right now. You could call call, Ger- call Gerard Gallant. Call Mike Babcock. Well, sure. You, you, but you're right. Like, there's guys they could get in touch with right now that you could sit there and say you're the one who we need to have come in here right now, right? right. Like, and Mike Babcock would whip, whip this and, team into shape. But the point of that is, is that, yeah. The, but the point of that is exactly that. You can think that that would be the case, you know, you know, whatever. If that's what you want to think about it, fine. But my belief is that if you do that, you are just passing the buck of a, on a problem that has yeah. been around for five head coaches now. It's not the coaching staff. It is the players at this point. Yep. And, well, and, and and your GM's problem is trying to figure out how to make trades in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Well, and then if it's the players, then at that point it becomes Chuck Fletcher's problem. Well, and we be, will uh, see. Well, well and the, and then the, 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 I know you were trying to get out of here. I'm, yep. This is this is my last point. The thing about that is, is that eventually what what you end up doing is you either wait for the off season to make those trades, or you're stuck waiting as contracts expire and you go the guy just walks. Right. right, like the guy, like like you're gonna sit there at the end of the year, and what you're gonna do is Scott Lawton's gonna go. Somebody else is. Gonna, there's another guy somewhere out there who's gonna go to who's on a one year. Oh, well, Eric Gustafson's gonna go. Someone's gonna go and, to Seattle, and then someone's gonna go to Seattle, and it, and hopefully it's not cheap. Yep. And you're gonna open up twelve million dollars in cap space off of that, or or more, and like, you know, go from there. And maybe that's when you sit there and you act, you ask the question. Is it worth it to trade Travis Konechny to get a Johnny Gaudreau in here? You know, right. something like that. Like. Well, that yeah, is that's where that's where it is. And, but, that's where but, it is. But at the very least, you need to come out and address that the current situation is not acceptable either, and that's what people are waiting for. And Chuck Fletcher needs to get in front of an audience as soon as possible. Yeah, and I, I imagine that will probably happen at some point here. Uh, what will happen at some point here is the trade well, deadline, so he has his decisions to make. Well, and in and in fairness, if enough, no, because if enough people say it, of course it'll happen. But will it hold as much meaning when it's been? 24, 48 hours, whatever right. it is, and people were saying it five days ago. You know, that's the problem. Well, either way, we will probably hear from him at some point. And uh, you know who else you will hear from at some point? Us next week. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back next Sunday. Uh, and, we have... And, and depending on what happens, maybe maybe early. Well, we'll see how it goes here. We have four home games. We'll see if the Flyers can turn the ship around. It was a really poor week, and if they want to stay in contention... They have to really shape up here. So uh, we're going to get out of here. You can make sure to follow us on the socials. It's been scrolling at the bottom of the screen the whole show. We're at YWT Podcast on Twitter. You can also find the show on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, SportstalkPhilly.com. Pretty much everywhere else you can find your podcast. Make sure to listen to Open Ice Hits with Hunter Brody and Kevin Durso. Uh, other than that, make sure to follow everybody. Kevin's at Kevin underscore Durso. And... Uh, until then, I think we're getting out of here. Uh, four home games. How many do the Flyers win? Who would who, we say they were again? Islanders, Devils, Rangers, Rangers. They all blend together at some point. I will give them... I hate saying this because it's going to drag this on further. I'll give them two. Because okay. I think that... Because I think that here's, here's my honest answer. 
they'll beat the Devils and they'll beat the Rangers once because there's no way that they play the Rangers twice at home. Right. And after the nine nothing game and don't find a way to win one. But well, we will see if that happens. In the meantime, I'll give them three. I think they turn it around. Uh, oh, Kyle, the eternal. Listen, you know that's how I roll. Uh, we will I, see. I, I am so prepared for it to just be burnt to the ground. We will see who is closer to correct next Sunday. <laughs> We're getting out of here. See you guys.